Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting for Monday night, June 17th, 7 p.m. session. And would the clerk please call roll. Harris? Here. Kearney? Here. Barrett? Here. Glass? Here. Albertson? Here. Healy? Here. Miller? Here. And would Dick Sharkey please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? Councilmember Kearney had a request uh, to adjourn tonight in the memory of the late principal of Casa Grande High School, Mr. Kearney. Yes, uh, Jim McGloin was the principal of Casa Grande High School uh, for uh, 20 years and passed away this past Sunday, so I'd like to adjourn in his memory. So we will be doing so. Uh, with that, we're on to the next agenda item, which is actually a moment of silence. If we could observe a moment of silence, please. Thank you. Uh, with that, we have um, several uh, items on the agenda tonight that I'm recommend for uh, change of order. We have um, an issue with uh, council members needing to recuse themselves from an item. So uh, I think this will facilitate the flow uh, best if we were to move item 5B, which I would anticipate being an item of very short duration, to immediately follow the consent calendar. Um, that item is one that has to do with the liquor license at the Target store in the Regency Shopping Center. Uh, I don't believe that item is going to consume a great deal of time. There are also three items um, on the agenda that I believe will go relatively rapidly and the appointments for the first time ever may prove to be a rather lengthy process uh, due to the number of highly qualified applicants for virtually every commission and body in the city. So that's a good thing. But in light of that, what I would like to do to facilitate uh, a smart use of our staff time is to move items forward D, E, and F in front of item 4C. And so with that change, I don't believe those three items will require much time. They have very detailed staff reports and their issues that the council has been working on for a good deal of time. So with those changes, if the council would consent, uh, we will then take the um, uh, meeting tonight in the revised order. So without with, objection. With that, that, that's how we will proceed tonight. Um, with that, we are on to a presentation at this time. There's a presentation from SCWMA. It's an annual report to member agencies, and uh, we will ask that the presentation uh, be no more than 10 minutes. And we will not take public comment on this presentation. However, we will be taking general public comment. So if someone wishes to speak to this item, you're certainly free to do so during the time allotted in regular general public comment, which will follow this presentation. Thank you. Good evening, members of the council. Your Honor, the mayor, Mr. Brown. Thank you for having me. I'll be as brief as I can be to hit the 10 minutes. My name is Henry Micus. Um, I am the Executive Director of the Sonoma County Waste Management Agency, of which Petaluma is one of our honored members. 
I'm here to give you a brief update and talk a little bit about our future, if you please. Um, I'd like to give you a summary first. The agency was founded in 1992 to meet with AB 939 waste diversion goals. The original term was for 25 years, which means the original agreement is set to expire in February of 2017. Uh, and today, one of the topics I'd like to cover is a little bit about our future and how we'd like to manage that end date. Basically, there are two basic questions we'd like all our members, including Petaluma, to weigh in on. Should the agency continue to provide its services beyond 2017? And if so, what should the form and the content of a new joint powers agreement be? You might ask, why now? Well, frankly, about a year and a half ago, we realized since most of our services are contracted, we started having difficulty with trying to get optimum prices um, because of the term of our, our arrangement. Um, a lot of stuff like, for example, our compost operation involves um, capitalization and we were running into not being able to do anything for any more than five years and somewhat less. And so our board started having a discussion about what we needed to do for the future. <coughs> then um, the situation with the landfill operating agreement came into play uh, just about a year ago. And our board asked us to, to stop looking at this until that kind of shook out a little bit. But now that that's had some, some clarity and starting to move ahead, our board asked us to come back to our, our members and start this discussion again. And one of the main reasons is that some of the discussion going on with the Master Operations Agreement involves what might happen with some of our core operations, <coughs> namely compost and hazardous waste. And so our board felt it was really important for us to engage in a conversation with our membership, especially our members' governing bodies, so that as, as they made decisions that affected the future of the whole solid waste system and the agency, they uh, had the maximum amount of information about how that might impact us. So, we are made up of uh, the nine cities plus the unincorporated county. So we work, I work for a board of 10. Mr. Brown is our member from here and Mr. Dan St. John is your alternate member that serve on our board. Um, we are pretty much funded by user fees. So we generally don't come every year and ask hat in hand asking for money. Uh, Petaluma is a little bit of an exception there because since you take your trash to Redwood, uh, we do have arrangement we've had for a long time where you contribute the tip, tip fee surcharge just like any other city would, but you do it directly. Um, we have unanimous vote requirements for some of our decisions, and those are particularly annual budget, major program changes, and any expenditures over $50,000. We basically have four areas main areas of focus as far as our operations. We have the wooden yard waste, which is the compost operation that I think most people are familiar with. We manage the household hazardous waste collection services for the region. We, uh, our first amendment to our agreement happened in 1996 and that made us the regional reporting agency for everybody. So we do all the planning and reporting. And then we do uh, education and outreach. And then last, which needs to be covered is finances because of how it affects our revenues and expenses. Our compost program is run by a contract operator, Sonoma Compost Country Company. It's at the central disposal site, which is county-owned. County uh, it's a temporary site we need to move. We're in the middle of doing uh, an EIR process to select a new site. Uh, so as far as progress, we had the EIR presented to our board a couple months ago, and we're preparing a report on some of the site selections uh, with regard to things in addition to environmental considerations. Um, Compost is really a cornerstone of the diversion. 
efforts that happen here regionally because they do about 100,000 100, tons of materials a year. And when you figure that the waste system takes in about 270,000 tons, you can see how big that number looms. Um, one of the nice things about the program is it provides free benefits to member governments. Uh, everybody that participates can get 10% materials back for free for parks and recs in a way of mulch or compost or whatever. We do the Household Hazardous Waste Program. We have, uh, every week there are community toxics collections. There are three here scheduled in the next year for Petaluma. July 2nd, October 22nd, and February 11th. We also do monthly e-waste collections. And the next one here in Petaluma is July 20th and 21st. We also do the Toxic Rover, and we run the facility for citizen and business, small business drop-offs at the uh, central landfill. Planning and reporting, we do annual reports to CalRecycle, uh, waste generation and recycling rate, household hazardous waste collections. We also manage the what's called the COE-WIMP, which is an acronym for County Integrated Waste Management Plan. Education and outreach. It's a big strength of ours, I think. We provide impartial information to achieve a county-wide message of consistency. And to put it in perspective, I know each of our cities and the unincorporated county have education components to their franchise agreements, but those, if you look at them, number somewhere in the tens and hundreds of events in a year. We do, we contact people in the tens of thousands. And I think that the, the impartial piece is really key because what happens, it doesn't matter whether you're private, um, entity or a public entity or a nonprofit, we provide the same information, doesn't matter if you're a big company, a little company, whatever, we provide a recycling guide that um, is available. I'm sure most of you will recognize that we do it both in English and Spanish. And it's the comprehensive guide to recycling and waste matters in the county. And it is a pretty amazing piece of, amazing document because they say flattery is the most sincere form of imitation and I understand that uh, it gets copied all over the state of California and outside of our borders now. Uh, finances, there's really two sides to the house. We have our compost program, which is self-sufficient. Our original JPA agreement requires that any money we generate from compost stay entirely within compost. And then our HHW, our planning on our education, is funded by the tip fee surcharge. About 80% of that money goes towards hazardous waste. And I, I neglected to say earlier, that is entirely a free service provided to our citizens, so we subsidize that. We also do some things with grants. In the last eight years, we've taken in $3.2 million worth of uh, grant dollars. So that's something the agency's pretty good at. Um, most recently, we got a Sharps grant. Just before that, something we're currently working on is addressing the state's regulation, AB 341, that said mandatory commercial recycling. We've done an outreach program. We're in phase two of that right now. So some general issues going ahead. I mentioned the agency renewal for 2017. How should that shake out? So the question is, what's the best vehicle for the agency services? There's basically three options. Keep it as is, uh, where the agency renews, privatize it with a contractor consultant, or the member jurisdictions take on our responsibilities themselves. Um, there are some questions I mentioned earlier related directly to compost and hazardous waste. The um, county negotiation to contract landfill operations has brought up the, the possibility of their contractor taking on a compost operation and the hazardous waste operations. So the question is who manages which one? Um, in fact, the way that works is that would be a major program change for us. So the only way that could change mechanically 
is for there to be uh, unanimous resolutions by all our members to take those away from the agency. Um, it's not just a matter of the county deciding and taking it. So at some point in time, you may be asked or your member may be asked to, to debate those issues. In recognition that that's not an easy answer, the county and their contractor set up an 18-month time frame within their master operating agreement to give us time to figure that out. Um, we have put together a draft uh, new agreement, and I'm, I'm, was that part of the, uh, the package, Dan? No, it wasn't. Okay. Well, we have that available. We have a draft agreement for you all to consider. Um, I'm not looking for any kind of an answer or, or a weigh-in today, but we do have it. I can supply it electronically. And, and part of the reason I have that is, again, I mentioned earlier, it's very important if you're going to look ahead and see what we may or may not do past 2017 to see how we think that'll work. Um, one of the key things to recognize is financially, um, as waste diversion gets better, our surcharge pot of money shrinks a little bit, but hazardous waste is on the upswing. We've gone in the last two years from 1.7 billion pounds to 2 million to 2.2. So there's a little bit of a conundrum. We've been managing it fairly well. The last four or five years, we've had a flat budget with no loss of services, but looking ahead, that may be an issue. And so one of the things we contemplated in a new agreement for our, our agency is to free up some of that compost money and make it available. Um, part of that equation is that we recognize there's about 80,000 tons of material and food waste that could be diverted. And if that happened, you know, that would shrink the trash nugget also. So we think that's only appropriate. So that's one of the things that's a consequence to us if we lose compost. So one last thing, there's a handout that uh, we put together. Uh, I won't go into that in great detail other than what we tried to do was for each city, each member, put together some information that kind of made it real in terms of numbers as far as what services the agency offers. And um, I know it's in some of the fine print. There's a lot of information there, but I'll bottom line it for you. I think you all be pleased to hear that you're one of two cities where the amount that you contribute to the agency through the surcharge is less than what you get back in services. And the biggie is because your citizens really do use the household hazardous waste programs we offer. Um, last year, it was about $216,000 that uh, the agency earned from Petaluma Trash in tip fee surcharge. And the amount of HHW material that was deposited with us by uh, Petaluma citizens was $242,000. So when I go back and say, you know, there's some choices that people have about what can happen, I think that's really stark for Petaluma because that would be an expense you'd have to take on if we didn't offer it for you. So. Anyhow, I'm, if, I'm open to any questions if anybody has any. Thank you. We have a jammed meeting, so what I suspect you're going to get is you're going to get um, a request for information electronically. Sure. Uh, maybe a question or two. Mr. Harris. Very quick question, unrelated, but I see that on our future agenda on July 1st, you're the presenter for the plastic bag. Yes, sir. And my only question is if you could send us the presentation beforehand, because I know there's um, some legal issues that are probably yes, discussed at that time. That's the only thing I We've been doing it, so we have it ready, so that, yes, within yeah. by we tomorrow. We can't talk about the subject tonight, but I was just yeah. curious, since I have you here if we could get the Not presentation beforehand. Thank you, sir. Thank you. With that, we're going to move on. Thank you so much for Thank being here Thank you for having tonight. me, and I appreciate the time. Yes, sir. With that, we're on to um, general public comment on items that are not on the agenda for this evening. And I have a card from Richard Sachin or Sachin. And if there's anyone else that wishes to speak, yes, Catherine Brabowski to be followed by uh, Bill Wolpert. And so if the clerk would please set the clock at three minutes. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Um, 
My name is Richard Sachin. I'm a citizen of Petaluma. I moved here about eight years ago with my family and have loved living here in Petaluma since I moved up here. And um, I'm calling to ask the board to reconsider and uh, add uh, voting to join Sonoma Clean Power onto the meeting um, on July 1st. Um, I believe that uh, we have an opportunity in Sonoma County that we should not pass up and that Petaluma has an opportunity to join the board and not only get answers to their questions, but to influence those answers to make sure that they are correct for Petaluma and um, by uh, becoming part of this. And um, I would just uh, like to uh, recommend that. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Catherine Babowski to be followed by Bill Wolpert to be followed by Zen Destiny. Yes, my name is Catherine Babowski. I live at the Littlewoods Motor Villa Mall Park at 1821 Lakeville Highway. I'm asking the city to install uh, security cameras in that mobile home park. That way you'll see personally what's going on in that mobile park. We got gangbangers in there, are committing a bunch of crimes in there, and they are not being arrested for the crimes they're committing. I got uh, space numbers at the, um, all the mobile homes they vandalized and trespassed. Again, maybe you could install security cameras in that mobile park. You'll see personally we do not have a responsible manager on site. And you'll see these gang members are committing crimes in there, and they're not being arrested for the crimes they're committing. They need to be arrested. Thank you. Thank you. Bill Wolpert to be followed by Zen Destiny. Good evening, Mayor Glass, Council Members, and um, Mr. Brown. Um, on July 18, 2005, Petaluma City Council voted unanimously to reduce greenhouse gases 25% below 1990 levels. Since then, I've watched Marin County forge their community choice aggregation uh, program, and it seems that most everything that they set out to accomplish has occurred. And I do recall that there were doubts as not all of the answers or outcomes were known. I want to see our community meet our commitment to reduce greenhouse gases, and I think Sonoma Clean Power is our best opportunity to do that. We have the benefit of Marin's experience, and it seems that our goals are aligned. I know that there are unanswered questions about ratepayer protection, the adequacy of the public bond, and the structure of the Joint Powers Agreement. These things do need to be worked out, but they should not become obstacles. We are fortunate to have the geysers producing clean energy, but Sonoma Clean Power will create greater competition for which there is none currently and should spawn private enterprise to create even more sources of clean renewable power. It could give homeowners and businesses more incentive to add solar to their roofs. Sonoma Clean Power could provide a broader reaching opportunity to upgrade homes with energy efficient appliances and fixtures. I'm not expecting a big drop in my utility bill, but I will be pleased to know that my electricity is not sourced from petroleum extraction or a nuclear plant. I think our response would be overwhelmingly positive if there was some sign from leadership that Sonoma County or Sonoma Clean Power is a good idea. Let's address the concerns and get an agreement that everyone can feel comfortable with. So far, one would think that this idea is untried with unknown results, but we know that's not true. So let's not wait for answers, let's pursue them and vote on Sonoma Clean Power before the July 9th deadline. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Uh, Zen Destiny, and that's the last public comment card that I have for non-agendized items unless someone wants to uh, pull out a card or step forward at the appropriate time.
yes, I'm going to address those comments <clears throat> on I, but you can't grow the economy on an energy tax. You keep using greenhouse gases. I'm going to address I on that greenhouse gas issues, but uh, pro probably Westinghouse is who thought that up. Westinghouse, Enron, or somebody. <clears throat> okay. Uh, I want to address, you know, I realized I was always through with y'all, but I'd never be through with them. Um, when CalPERS invests in the Carlisle Group, which is a think tank, if we invest in our retirement fund, invest in one of the think tanks that thought all this torture, war, unconstitutionality, treason up, well then maybe this, this is a return on their investment, is what's happening right now. But what, what I'd like to see is uh, the corporate flight records for Thailand. I want to see. I want to. How old? How tough do you have to get to be to make it to ten in Thailand? Okay. So, I'm thinking that maybe we could address this child slavery thing if we just released all the corporate flight records to Thailand and see who's going to have sex with little kids or wherever it is. So what we need to do is we need pictures of all those children over there because I bet some of them like got blonde hair and blue eyes because I'm thinking that these defense contractors like Dynacor, I think that's one of the things we've been paying for. So what we need is corporate flight and all flight records have always been kept forever. But we need corporate flight records to Thailand to see who's having sex with kids. And we need cameras on the airports, everywhere, everywhere. If any child over there, that's in the, just take a picture of them. And then we'll see the telecoms block it so we'll know that they're going there too. So I'm calling for all commercial flight records and corporate flight records to Bangkok and Thailand. I'm calling for people to take pictures at the airport of all the corporate jets coming in. I'm calling for them to take pictures of all those kids over there. And put them online. I'm calling to just to follow them around till they have to bust those men in there. Till they moved it to Cambodia. Then we go take pictures in Cambodia of these defense contractors and telecom. Whoever in the hell is it? Let's see. So let's see the flight records. Maybe we can bring some of those kids home, huh? Thank you. Uh, that's all the public comment cards I have on uh, non-agendized items. So with that, I'm going to close comment on public comment, uh, and we'll go on to council comment. And I'll start down at this end tonight, uh, Council Member Miller. Um, I really don't have a lot to report. The Planning Commission did not meet for lack of agenda items uh, last week. Uh, I haven't had a pedestrian and bicycle advisory committee meeting. Um, I do have a planning commission meeting next Tuesday night, so I'll have something to report back from that um, in July. And the only other thing I wanted to, to mention is that the fair starts this Wednesday. It runs the 19th through the, um, through the Sunday, which is the 23rd. And so I encourage everybody to go out and enjoy our fair. And that's all. Thank you. Councilmember Healy. Nothing tonight. Thank you. Vice Mayor Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, just a couple items. One of the, our road diet is in London, the downtown. It's, uh, uh, I just was hoping that staff, as we get people become more used to it, and it's the newness wears off, how traffic indeed does flow through there. Uh, today I came back through around 3 o'clock and northbound uh, traffic from Washington Street backed up almost well to C Street, uh, single lane, uh, trying to get through. So an oddity, an anomaly, 
but if we could talk about the traffic flow. And then I also um, um, I sent an email to staff about uh, the asphalt along the parking strips on the parallel parking and if we have a chance to actually an on-site look at those because it's the parking the asphalt doesn't appear to be holding up there so before that gets signed off if that could be checked out the uh, North Bay uh, legislative committee for the mayors and council members met in Santa Rosa as they do once a month uh, one of the things they discussed was the uh, updating of a variety of uh, state legislation and uh, they provided a, a matrix that I will have staff uh, give it to uh, Katie to have her Xerox this and put it in the boxes. And very similar to the um, uh, editorial in the Press Democrat June 7th which listed many of these very same um, uh, bills from assembly bills and senate bills legislation proposed at the state level uh, and then the league of california cities gives their uh, uh, approval rating or for these and whether they're supporting or not supporting this legislation and that's it for me mr mayor thank you councilmember barrett i just have a brief comment from the lafco meeting um sonoma county uh, Southern Sonoma County uh, RCD Resource Conservation District and the Sotiomi Resource Conservation District, which uh, interface with agricultural users and uh, landowners in the city, I mean in the county, uh, have just merged to become one and they will be called Sonoma County Resource Conservation District. And the impact on us is that they, are, uh, they do a lot of our outreach work here in the Zone 2A Petaluma Watershed. Thank, Thank you. you. Councilmember Kearney? We had a health action meeting, and I believe it's the first meeting in July. Health action will be coming to present with the uh, Petaluma Healthcare District uh, with their subchapter of a health action called uh, the uh, CHIPA, or the Community Health Initiative for the Petaluma area. They'll be coming to the Ju July meeting, so we'll have a, a good presentation on what's going on there. Councilmember Harris. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, the, I have a youth commission update. We uh, concluded the year, and we're not going to have any meetings until August now uh, because school is out. But the, the individuals that were on the commission, they're going to the University of Colorado, UC Santa Cruz, Harvard, Butler University in Indiana, and UC Davis. And the, the remaining members are going to be staying on the commission pending uh, council direction tonight in the vote. Um, so that was the last uh, item that you'll hear from me on the youth commission until probably August when we do the orientation of the new members pending the vote tonight. On the Snowman County Transportation Authority, the, the big item uh, that took the bulk of the session last week was a workshop on Snowman Clean Power um, and we, we discussed the common questions that were raised by all of the cities when they did their road show um, and it's just continuing to go through the process. It was another opportunity to ask questions to have the staff ask questions through the council members that were um, were present, uh, present there. And the next uh, SCTA meeting is on July 8th and we'll have an update after that as well thank you so much mr. city manager okay so we're moving on to uh, agenda item 1a which is approval of minutes for uh, Monday May 20th 2013 item 1b is the minutes of June 3rd 2013 and item 1c is the minutes of uh, June 10, 2013. They're all in draft form. Uh, does anyone on the council have any suggestions for uh, modification in terms of those items? 
And if there are no modifications, then the minutes stand approved as submitted. And we're on to uh, item 2A, which is a request for approval of the proposed agenda for the Petaluma City Council meeting of Monday, July 1st. Mr. Mayor. Mr. Albertson. Uh, at the top of the agenda, their presentations, have the presenters been talked to about time limitations for presentations? Mr. Uh, Mayor, the uh, presenters are always uh, talked to about time limitations before these presentations are scheduled. So, so uh, we've had some extended presentations. Can, is there a yeah. way we can curtail that or maybe hold it within a reasonable time frame? Uh, what we normally try to do is keep presentations between 10 to 15 minutes, depending on the amount of subject matter, leaving your council with another five or so for question and answer. So somewhere between 10 and 20 for a presentation. Uh, we've had a couple of them go a lot longer than that recently, but generally they, they find themselves working out in that area. And they are always encouraged to hold to the 10 minutes and we will follow up and re-encourage them before this. Um, one, one question that I might have uh, in light of this, I don't see a closed session scheduled for this particular night. Is there an anticipation that we will not have a closed session scheduled? Uh, we may or may not at the time we put that tentative agenda out. We didn't, but uh, those are the open session items that, were, that you're required to approve beforehand. Uh, you're not required to approve the closed session items beforehand in the same way. Since we have three presentations, well, two presentations in the employee recognitions, but um, is the council open to starting at 645 on that night? You know, I might suggest that that would be a hedge against if a presentation gets a little bit long. Do we want to try to start the meeting at 6.45 that night? Mr. Brown. Uh, what I wanted to, to, to mention was it was talked about it being the, the bag ban. Uh, there is going to be some information that needs to be exchanged uh, with respect to, to some legal issues around that. I think we're going to try to get that information out to the council prior. Uh, to that meeting so that you'll have had an opportunity to look at it. But that's one that could conceivably run a little bit longer just because of the dialogue that you may end up wanting to get into. So I would suggest if the council could find their way clear to starting at 645 or even 630, that might give you a little bit of breathing room for that agenda. Uh, Mr. Robertson and then Mr. Healy. I'm, a, I'm open to 645 if the council wishes to do that. Uh, th this evening's presentation, the mayor mentioned you have a time frame. He seemed to be able to stick to it. He exchanged his information, provided us with a handout. I thought that went well. If that could be the template, that'd be good to follow. Mr. Healy. Yeah, thank you. Um, I had a question for the city attorney, actually. We do have one public hearing um, uh, at the end. Does that need a time certain uh, or a, a, a start date for the meeting for, for the legal notice for that to go out? Sorry. Uh, let me just double check the draft agenda. So, I mean, there's no way we get to the consent calendar before seven o'clock. No, if we start no, at but, but usually, usually the noted legal notice indicates the time of the meeting. Uh, right. We usually do it worded flexibly because we don't know how how long some of the preliminary items are going to take, um, and often the placement of the hearings are such that it's not effective. Um, or not, they're not affected. Um, the hearing times aren't affected. So let me just. I'm sorry, just I'm not zipping right to the um, 
Are we talking about the Hanson House yeah. designation? That notice has already gone to the paper, and it did say a seven o'clock. So, I so would we be obligated to? That. We could, we're going to get to that item after seven o'clock. So, if we, right. no matter what time we start, we're still okay, aren't I, we? I would say as long as that that item is not entertained before the noticed time, which I don't think it will be, then there shouldn't be a problem. Do, does that make sense? So, yeah, okay, it makes so sense. Do to we me. want to say six forty-five? And are we? But that's kind of assuming that that there won't be a closed session. Well, I mean, we can adjust if there is. Cause that's why I'm not going for the 6:30. Okay. You know, we kind of split the difference. So, would you like a motion to approve um, the tentative agenda with a 6:45? Uh, well, before we get time? there, uh, let, let me. Um, I, I would like to flip flop items C and D. Um, I don't think the assessment districts are going to take two seconds in there, or maybe even put the assessment districts. I mean, I'm going to wind up doing it on the agenda the night of the meeting if we don't do it here. Um, and maybe I'll do it after the consent calendar, so never mind, just leave it alone. Because nobody comes for those assessment districts, and there's no sense in keeping staff here all night to late in the meeting. But I'll deal with it when we get to the agenda. We'll give you discretion to move the order around, Mr. Mayor. Thank you very much. Okay, I, what did Councilmember Miller want to say? Just wanted to let you know that I will not be at this meeting. I'll be out of town this week. Okay, we'll put everything that's dear to your heart on this agenda then. Oh, <laughs> thank no. you, okay, Mayor. So with, with, without, um, I'll, I'll move the uh, tentative agenda with a preliminary start time of 6.45, okay. subject and to no closed session. Do we? And we have a second by uh, Barrett. All in favor say aye. 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 Any objection? Thank you. Okay, so we're done with that. That's good. Uh, we're on to the consent calendar, item 3A, B, and C. Councilmember Barrett would like to remove item 3A. That leaves item 3B and C on the consent calendar. And Zen Destiny would like to speak to item 3B, so we'll take that comment now. I want to formally object to the collection of any information without probable cause. Thank you. Um, so with that, we have the consent calendar, items 3B and C. So moved. Uh, I've got to close public comment first. There's no one else who wants to speak to the consent calendar, items 3A, B, or C. Seeing nobody rise and have no speaker cards, public comment is hereby closed. So moved for Second. B and C. We got a motion on B and C from Councilmember Healy, a second from Councilmember Barrett, and we'll vote by the lights on those. That motion carries unanimously. We're back to item 3A, Councilmember Barrett. Uh, well, I pulled this because I'm the liaison to the Park and Rec Commission, and uh, no changes to the East Washington Park Phase 1 project came to the Park and Rec Commission. And it's, it's not that I'm opposed to what is uh, being offered, but there really was no public hearing. There was no uh, input by the Park and Rec Commissioners. And I really do think that uh, uh, this should go to Park and Rec Commission before we vote on it. And that would be my recommendation. Is there an opportunity if the council wanted to send this without it harming the time frame here? Or, or is there something that's time sensitive that gets pushed back? If, uh Council were to do so. Um, perhaps Mr. Broden would like to address that. Uh, it 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 simply pushes back the the design work and and potential bidding if if we get there and we anticipate to get there. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been in the hopper a long time. So another 
you know, to, to wait for a commission meeting is, you know, we, we could certainly do that. Mr. Mayor? It, now, it was split, you know, into phases one and two um, some time ago. Adjustments to phase one have not been discussed. Okay. Uh, Mr. Healy? Yeah, I, I was wondering if you could, um, Mr. Broden, if you could enlighten us as to which two or three fields you would anticipate to be prioritized. Artificial surface fields, for, sh for certain. Um, you know, I, I, I regard this as you know such a high priority for the community that I would really hate to delay this. Um, and I'd be pleased to have a, an update to the Park and Rec Commission, but I'd like to move this item tonight, and I'll make that motion. I'll, I'll second. We have a motion by Healy, a second by Miller. Is there further discussion? Mr. Harris. A uh, quick question on the, the two to three synthetic fields. Um, in the staff report, it said two or three. Is it depending on the layout, or is it depending on additional private no donations? Cost. I suspect that, cost. that we would bid that as a as a, a bid alt. Either three is in the in the base bid with an alternate to do just two, and we back into the budget. Okay. We build what we can afford to build, and and I'm hanging on to the the hopes and dreams of three. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And then just a quick follow up, um, just because of what happened with redevelopment, and I know that we have to spend the money by December six, two thousand and sixteen. Do we have to spend the money or does it have to be allocated I'm talking about the two million dollars in open space dollars we've got to have the project underway and just underway a reimbursement request made okay I know it's a different entity we have a yeah. collaborative relationship sure. with them but after yeah. what happened with redevelopment I'm just had to ask that question okay <laughs> any other comments uh, mr. Albertson mr. Broden and I share the concern of you know delaying this unnecessarily uh, it hasn't come before the uh, Parks and Rec Commission that they take time to do that what would be the downside real negative downside to taking that time uh, just a, a, a delay in beginning the process of of uh, rescoping phase one okay by a couple of weeks uh, but we, pro we we meet Wednesday but I can't add it to the agenda at this point in time so, it'll be the so following next month. yeah the next meeting actually we're, we're likely going to meet within the first two weeks of August probably not in July but at a special meeting within the first two weeks of August so it would be then that we would that and we some would time take ago on. they had a chance to look at this in some draft form uh, they were highly engaged in the concept planning and then were um, uh, routinely updated as we developed cost estimating and had to split the project into into a phase one and phase two and since it's uh, since the approval that the council gave um, I think for the for the bid documents uh, there has not been activity or updates provided to the Commission thank you uh, other than other than some you know some ancillary reporting as I often do at Commission meetings but not an action item thank you sir I'm going to support the motion. I'm sure that Councilmember Barrett um, wants to see um, the, as much opportunity for public input with the commissions because that's the purpose of the commissions. But um, the way this is, I, I'm not going to do one thing to slow it down 24 hours because we don't have the fields for our kids, period. Can I just say that I yes, completely sir. get that? I, I, yeah. I really do. The, the truth of the matter is this is our greatest of unmet needs. And we're talking about whether we can build three fields or two and we can solicit input but the fact of the matter is these are fields we need to get built because the the recreational programs are outgrowing the capacity of the parks department to provide space and that was simply the thinking but i certainly get yeah. it council member barrett i agree um i agree with all that but you know that doesn't look at look around the room we have all, all these people and we have uh you know this many people have submitted paperwork to be on public commissions and public committees 
and if we're not going to bring our business to them, then, then why are we saying we're going to do that? You know, that's what the role of the Park and Rec Commission is. That's what the public gets to weigh in. It's not just those seven people, but it's the whole public. And I think it was staff's role uh, to bring this to us in a timely manner so we don't have this kind of skip slippage. You know, and so um, you know, I don't think that having uh, six weeks delay is going to make the difference. I'm sorry. Okay. With that, we have a motion by Healy and a second by um, Miller. And is there any further discussion? If not, we'll vote by the lights. And that motion carries six to one with Councilmember Barrett dissenting. And with that, we're on to uh, next item of business, which is 5B. item 5B, correct? Um, this is Heather Hines with the staff report on a resolution that um, is before us after the Planning Commission denied uh, an alcohol permit. Proceed. Right. Good evening, Mayor Glass, members of the Council. Uh, before you tonight is an appeal of the Planning Commission's denial of a requested determination of public convenience or necessity for a Type 20 alcohol license, which is beer and wine off sale. So that means retail sales of beer and wine, no on-site consumption, for Target within the East Washington Place Center. Um, the PCN is required by ABC, which is the alcohol beverage control, um, based on an undue concentration of licenses in that census tract. So ABC says that seven of these off-sale licenses are allowed in the census tract. There are currently 22 existing off-sale licenses, two of which are the BevMo and Sprouts, which are also in the East Washington Place Center. So on May 14th, the Planning Commission denied the requested PCN um, by a vote of four to two, and they cited four of the guidelines that are outlined in the um, Council Resolution 9656, which is the resolution that outlines the PCN process and designates the Planning Commission as that decision-making body with the Council as the um, appeal body. So the four points made by the Planning Commission and outlined in a resolution that you have in your packet, um, number one was that Target anticipates 2% of their sales volume to be related to alcohol sales. So the Planning Commission found that that was such a small percentage that that business could viably operate um, without the alcohol license. Second one was the proximity to sensitive uses um, and including the swim center, the Live Oak Charter School, and um, the 360 Church. They also um, determined that the alcohol license at Target was incompatible with other businesses within the East Washington Place Center because it created competition with other businesses that had already been approved for off-sale alcohol sales. And finally, they made um, the determination that there was not um, a public convenience or necessity for this specific project. I'm, I'm going to ask you to halt just for a moment here. Yes. I need to clear up something. Um, with the city attorney. In the past, I've recused myself on issues related to Target. Uh, I have liquidated half of my position in Target, which takes me underneath the threshold that triggered the conflict, so that um, I am assuming I'm meant to ask at the start of the item, 
but I am assuming that since I'm now under the threshold that um, I'm able to participate on this item. Uh, that's right. Uh, so it's like what, 12.5 or something like that? No, it'd be closer to 22,000. Okay. The threshold is 25,000. Okay. I didn't look to see exactly where the market closed today, but it's about $70 a share. Okay. I have 300 so shares. So it's under the $25,000 yes, limit. Okay. It so, is definitely under that. So what that means is it's presumed there's not a it, it's not conclusive, but it, there's a presumption that there's not um, a foreseeable conflict, so that would that would okay. support your participation. All right, thank, thank you. you. Proceed. Okay. Um Following, backing up to the proximity to sensitive uses, um, we did do some some measuring on GIS. The Petaluma Swim Center is located about a little over 600 feet from the target. Live Oak Charter School is about 1,800 feet, and 360 Church is about 2,200 feet away from where the target pad is. Um, so, Target has appealed the Planning Commission denial and are is requesting that the City Council approve the appeal and make the determination that the PCN would be served by the issuance of a Type 20 license for Target. Um, staff is recommending that the Council deny the appeal, uphold the Planning Commission decision, um, and has included a draft resolution in your packet. Staff also included an alternative resolution um, approving the appeal and uh, making the determination of public convenience and necessity should the council decide to appeal and overturn the Planning Commission decision. And I know the um, appellant is here um, to answer any questions and make a presentation and I'm happy to answer any other questions that the council may have. Let me open it up to public comment and then we'll see if there's any questions. Zen Destiny? You're, you're fine on this one? Okay. Um, with that, uh, I don't have any other cards for public comment. Is there anyone that wishes to speak to this item on public comment? Please step up. Thank you. I'm Beth Abalafia. I'm here representing Target this evening uh, in their appeal of the Planning Commission's uh, decision. Uh, as staff indicated, we are appealing the Planning Commission's denial of a finding of public convenience or necessity to allow Target to sell a small amount of beer and wine at its new store as a complement to its uh, grocery section. Um, uh, it will uh, be just a small portion of what Target is offering at this new store, but it is a convenience for Target customers who are at the store shopping for other things to be able to also pick up a bottle of wine or some beer along with their groceries and other items uh, while they're there shopping. Um, the Planning Commission in denying the application focused uh, primarily on the fact that alcohol sales would be just a small percentage of Target's overall sales at the store and use this as a reason to deny the application. Uh, however, the Planning Commission failed to take into account the nature of Target's business and how alcohol sales fit into and relate to Target's business model, which we believe the Commission was required to do under the guidelines that this Council uh, previously adopted for making PCN determinations. Target is, as everyone knows, a general retailer that offers customers the ability to purchase a wide variety of merchandise all in one place. 
So by definition, any product that Target sells, any single product, will be a small percentage of its overall sales. That's the nature of Target's business. Um, in addition, a significant component of this new Target store will be its grocery section. Uh, the store will have an expanded market section that offers fresh produce, fresh meats, an expanded selection of dry goods, um, and a full range of grocery products. And the ability to purchase beer and wine is something that uh, pur purchase beer and wine along with groceries is a commonplace convenience that customers expect. It's something that Target customers in particular expect. Target has been selling alcoholic beverages at its stores in California for over a decade. All of the Target stores in this area, Rohnert Park, Santa Rosa, Napa, Nevada, they all sell alcoholic beverages. So it's a product that customers coming to the new Petaluma <coughs> store will also expect to find there. Um, as to the issue of sensitive uses, um, the distances to sensitive uses were um, uh, described in the staff report and by staff. However, there was no indication or suggestion, even by any of the commissioners at the Planning Commission hearing, that Target's operations would have any negative impact on those sensitive uses. Uh, and in fact, the Planning Commission approved two other uh, businesses in that same center to sell alcoholic beverages. Uh, that are equal or closer proximity to those sensitive uses. Um, there was no, no, nor was there any suggestion that Target's alcohol sales would have any negative impact on surrounding residential areas. Uh, Target's a responsible retailer. It trains its employees in responsible alcohol sales. Um, planning staff originally uh, researched and evaluated Target's application. Planning staff originally recommended approval of the application to the Planning Commission. The police and fire department were consulted and were supportive of the application. There was no community opposition. Uh, we believe for the reasons that were detailed in the appeal statement that Target has met the criteria for approving its PCN application. Uh, under the guidelines that were established by the City Council. Uh, and so we are asking the Council to uh, approve the, to grant the appeal and to approve Target's application uh, for a finding of public convenience. And I'm happy to answer any questions. Are there any questions at this time? I think it's pretty cut and dried. I think most of us get what the issue is regardless of where the vote comes down uh, so if there are no questions I don't have any other public comment cards with that um, I'll bring it back to the council and I'll move the item to grant the appeal from Target and I'll move that based on um, when I originally had conversations with Regency back in 2004 about them coming to Petaluma. It was obvious that they were going to bring a target. It was always obvious to me that part of it would include in the store mix uh, the sell of what is typically sold in target stores, which includes uh, alcoholic beverages. And I think that the community has an expectation that they'll find that when they go into the store. 
I think that it also cuts down on the number of starts and stops that people would make. Otherwise, I do believe you'd get more greenhouse gas emissions if you were to limit the sale of alcohol in this store from the standpoint that, yes, you'd be telling people to leave uh, Target and they'd start their car up all over again when they go to Bevmore or Sprouts or wherever they uh, additionally would go on their journey to pick up that alcoholic beverage that I think they were going to pick up anyway. Uh, having said all of that, most often I agree with the Planning Commission this one time I don't, um, but I, um, I, I make the motion. Is there a second for that motion? I'll second it. We'll have further discussion if council members wish to. Council Member Barrett. Yeah, I'm not going to be supporting this, and um, it really isn't only because there's already a BevMo in this shopping center, and there's already beer and alcohol at Sprouts, uh, but there's uh, the you know the number that is deemed appropriate for this area is seven places that sell alcohol. It's already at 22, which is 300% of the amount that is deemed appropriate for this area. So I, I don't see any um, public convenience or necessity for yet another place selling alcohol. So I will not be supporting this. Can I? Is there any other discussion here, Council Member? I just want to briefly address that issue um, because I, I'm the council liaison to the Planning Commission, and I've sat through a couple of these hearings on on these um, on these uh, uh, beverage issues in this sense in this area. And this is a huge area, and it encompasses a large portion of our downtown. So I just want people in the public to be aware of the fact that um, yes, it does sound like there are an awful lot of these businesses that are selling alcohol in this area, but it really encompasses most of the business district of town and, and the restaurants and, and, the, and the bars and the grocery stores and things like that. And so I want people to be aware of that. Mr. Healy. <clears throat> yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll be supporting uh, your motion, Mr. Mayor. Um, and I, I just wanted to add a couple comments because uh, you know, the undue concentration of liquor licenses is uh, an item that has been on my radar screen since before I was uh, uh, elected to the City Council because I, I live near downtown. And, and to my view, I would be viewing this very differently if it was another, if it was an application for a license for a, um, a full bar in the downtown core. Um, but I, I regard the census tract lines as being somewhat arbitrary and over-inclusive and under-inclusive, and I, I don't see this one as being a problem. Thank you. Okay. Is there anything else here? With that, we'll be voting by the lights on this one. This is item 5B. Oh, the motion is to grant the appeal. So a yes motion in this case grants the appeal. A yes vote. Motion carries 6 to 1 with Councilmember Barrett dissenting. We are on to the next item. Uh, this is item 4A. This is a discussion and possible direction regarding changes to the Municipal Code to add an additional day of fireworks sales. Mr. Mr. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll be providing the staff report this evening. This uh, item was raised at your last City Council meeting. Uh, during public comment, uh, a speaker asked your council to consider taking action to increase the number of days that fireworks can be sold here in town from four to five. Uh, the council did ask to put this on this evening's agenda so that uh, direction could be given to staff. Uh, and the comments uh, given at that time suggested the council would like to see some kind of legislative change made to allow for that, uh, that additional day of sales. 
Uh, I wanted to provide your council with a little bit of background in the staff report. I, I think I've done that uh, about five years ago. The council was having a similar kind of a conversation, but pointing in the other direction. Uh, we'd had a few fires at that point leading up to the 4th of July. Uh, season residents were concerned there was a lot of email coming into City Council and at that time the council suggested that they'd like to see changes made to reduce the number of days of sale uh, maybe even ban uh, fireworks outright as some of the other cities in, in the county have done uh, but certainly to to reduce the number of days of sale and the number of days of use uh, this was referred to a task force that task force included our, our fire marshals uh, staff as well as the uh, representatives of the fireworks industry and some of the nonprofits who actually uh, sell fireworks during this season of the year. And several months later, that task force came, came back with some recommendations that were really intended to try to address this problem in, in a, uh, you know, an intelligent way you know, and find a compromise that would, would meet everybody's needs. And so what was recommended at that time was to reduce the number of days of sale rather than out, outright ban from five to four, but also to reduce the number of days of actual allowable use from uh, about six, I believe it was six at that time, down to one. Um, and so those were put into effect with the 2009 fire season, or fireworks season. Uh, now over the course of the last couple or three years, your council has been approached pretty much on an annual basis uh, from nonprofits. Uh, suggesting that other cities that have longer sale periods are really putting them at a comp or we've put these nonprofits at a competitive disadvantage by giving them less days to sell that people will go to the other cities on that first day of sales while our folks are still closed by their fireworks in bulk at that point and and be done for the season costing our folks uh, you know the revenue that they could have otherwise generated and the contributions of that revenue to the various community projects that that money goes towards uh, so in 2012 your council looked at this again at that time staff provided you uh, a fairly comprehensive report of the best that we could do trying to quantify what sort of lost sales we thought came from this change we really had a difficult time quantifying those lost sales uh, but critical to that the conversation at that time was a timeline that we provided the council uh, that suggested basically it would take about five months from that point in order to implement changes uh, to the codes to uh, add that extra day we also indicated that there was a move afoot at the county-wide basis to both look at changing the fire code for 2013 county-wide as well as looking at the specific issues of firework sales uh, and so the council deferred at that time to that 2013 uh, set of code changes um, so again this came up before you uh, Two weeks ago, your council was interested in putting it on for discussion. Uh, you'll notice from the staff report that we haven't uh, made any recommendation as to whether we think you should or shouldn't reduce the number of days. You know, we've talked to you in the past about why uh, we've thought the reduction was a good thing. Uh, but what we have instead done tonight is really just focused on your options in terms of timing. So the process that we discussed with you a year ago or uh, thereabouts was the one that would normally be required under the government code for those entities who have adopted uh, building state building codes including the state fire code by reference and that requires noticed public hearings it requires first and second readings of the ordinance it requires a 30-day referendum period and, and by the time you add all of that up 
using that process, we get to a place where we're in excess of 60 days and you will not have the opportunity to make those changes this year using that particular process. Uh, the state offers an alternative process that, that does away with the public hearings but still requires the, the readings in the referendum period. Again, that isn't going to get us where we need to be uh, before the sales season starts here at the end of, end of June or 1st of July. So the only option that we see that's available to you this evening would be to adopt, this, uh, adopt changes using an ur urgency ordinance. Uh, and so those changes haven't been prepared because the council's specific instructions were not specific such that we came back this evening with something for you to consider. Uh, but if you wanted staff to do that, you could give us that direction this evening. We'd need to have a special meeting. Uh, your next Monday night is free in terms of the availability of this room. Uh, we could put an urgency ordinance together for you for action at that time that would go into effect immediately. However, it would require findings of, of urgency. We would need to make findings that this is, uh, that these, uh, the urgency is to the benefit of public need and, and necessity. Uh, and it would require a unanimous vote of the City Council in order to make that happen. So, again, we're not recommending one thing or the other in terms of the number of days. That's Council policy, but we are providing you with what we think your one option for making this happen before uh, the sales season this year. Uh, if that's something the council finds that it can't do or chooses not to try to do, uh, what we've also indicated is we're happy to move forward with the council's direction tonight towards changes that can either be done as a standalone uh, amendment to this set of codes or incorporating as we had talked about doing into the amendments that are going to be made in 2013. So we'll stand ready for your direction this evening. Thank you. Well, before we get to direction, we're going to get to public comment, too, um, because this is on the agenda uh, for tonight. And I have several speaker cards here. Uh, Richard Sharkey to be followed by Sherry Cardo. Uh, and I think Zen Destiny wants to speak to this one also. Yes, sir. Thank you all very much. And uh, Gabe, I want to thank you very much for making mention of uh, Miss McGloin, a wonderful prison, uh, uh, principal at Casa Grande High School. You know, uh, I spent 21 years in the military. Thir my last eight years were as an officer. I have a hard time believing that we can't do an amendment to a resolution. I've sat down and done them in 20 minutes and got approved all the way up through staff. You know, we talked about this last year, the year before, nothing was done. It just gets kicked back in the corner. Meanwhile, we already lost a stand, and when we used to generate 78000 in revenue, we're down to 36000 That's money that we put back into the community. We're a nonprofit 501c3. Not one person gets paid. We've been in the community for 31 years. And I did some figuring today. Since we started in 1982, we've put $1,561,000 back into the community for our children, for our children, because we care about them with scholarships. Project Grad the D.A.R.E. program, every 15 minutes. 
you know, what we're really doing is we're denying our young people a chance at doing some things and getting some things. We've always been very supportive of anything that went on with the children in the community. You know, sometimes I think adults have forgotten that they were once little people. And that we need to take a step back and look. And all I'm doing is asking that you amend this resolution. Give us this Sunday prior to so that we're not Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and everybody is going to Ronit Park doing all their shopping on a Sunday and buying all their fireworks and we suffer down here. Like I say, we've already had to drop one fireworks stand because we can't afford it. Thank you. Thank you. Sherry Cardo. Good evening. I was stunned to see this item on the agenda and to see it being rushed through without adequate counsel and public review. How does this qualify for an urgency ordinance when it is not necessary, not necessary for the immediate preservation of the public peace, health, or safety, when it actually runs contrary to all three? Here's what we know for sure. The reduction in sales days is working to reduce the amount of fireworks usage outside of July 4th and the number of dangerous incidents. According to the July 14, 2012 article in the Argus Courier, Lieutenant Tim Lyons said that last year's holiday had fewer fireworks-related incidents compared to previous years and there were only three citations. He said that cutting down the number of days that nonprofits can sell fireworks had worked. Fire Chief Anderson said his department expends a lot of resources monitoring the sale of fireworks in the city. Former Fire Chief Albertson, now City Council Member Albertson, was quoted saying, fireworks are inherently dangerous. Have we had a major fire or a major issue yet? No, but it only takes one time. Did you, did you hear about the fire and evacuations on Thomas Lane today? This region is bone dry right now, bone dry. I wonder if the city would be liable if a block of homes went up in smoke because of unsafe fireworks sold here legally. According to the fire chief's report, there is no evidence that a posse of petalumens is driving all the way up to Ronert Park to buy fireworks one day early. No evidence. Fireworks and fundraising don't mix. I've lived in this town for 20 years and it confounds me that these organizations haven't transitioned to a different funding model in all those years. It's time we stop enabling them and move toward a total ban. The city goes to a lot of trouble and expense to put on a fireworks show and that is sufficient. Bottom line is, Petaluma cannot afford the excess of $9,000 it will cost to rush through this ordinance, nor the increased fire and police enforcement costs. But if you do decide to cast fiscal responsibility to the wind, why not just give the twenty dollars to $30,000 directly to the vendors instead of putting us all at increased risk? I like fireworks too, but at some point, somebody has to be the adult. At this point, it's you. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Uh, Zen Destiny to be followed by, well, that's it, unless there's somebody else that wants to speak. I, too, am opposed to explosive combustibles in an arid region. <clears throat> it's kind of like Marines Garden opium fields or something, but, but I think I have a solution. Uh, is there any city in California that sells fireworks but makes it illegal to pop them? And if not, I propose we'd be the first. 
So I, I, I say we give, give them two more days and always stay one day ahead of Roner Park. And don't break week. If they change it and add one, add another. Sell them six days here. Always stay one day ahead of Roner Park. Make it illegal to pop them here. Just ask them to go outside the city. And, uh, and that's the answer. Thank you. Is there anyone else that wishes to speak to this issue? With that, public comment is closed. Uh, I'm going to lead off the comment here tonight. I don't think this is uh, my favorite subject. I don't think that I'm popular on this, but it's grounded in values and core beliefs. And Mr. Sharkey, when he was here on one occasion, and I've saved it, handed me a card, and it says integrity on it in big red letters, and I'm going to read it. Uh, because you can have integrity and have a different perspective on an issue. And I think Mr. Sharkey would agree with that. But what he gave me at that time read soundness, adherence to a code of values, utter sincerity, loyal, honesty, and candor, faithful to a cause or ideal. Uh, it has been no secret that I've been consistent on this issue. Um, if the council were to go forward, they would go forward elongating the sale of this product without my vote. If it is true, and I didn't create this situation, that it would require a unanimous vote of the council at a special meeting, and I will call on the attorney to explain why that is so because of timing, because laws aren't written for one particular occurrence, they're written to give the notice to the public on fair occurrence that laws are about to change. So if this requires a unanimous vote of the council, I can't imagine being able to maintain my personal integrity and support this change. I just can't imagine it. I intend to be consistent to the code of values that I said. Playing with fire doesn't make much sense to me. I've certainly had my debates with our fire department, but I have never wanted to put our fire personnel unnecessarily in harm's way. And I think that the sale of this product runs certainly a risk of doing that. We're playing with fire, and I agree with Chief Albertson's statement that Sherry Cardo read back in 2005. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And so, Mr. Danley, could you please enlighten us as to why an ordinance cannot become immediate law and why, therefore, the necessity would be to declare and make findings uh, that I just simply could not make. They run counter to every bit of values that I've expressed in the past, and I express those values with integrity. Mr. Danley. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. So um, the normal process for um, adopting an ordinance, and, and in this case because the city's uniform codes, including the fire code where the um, safe and sane fireworks provisions uh, lie have been done through ordinance as necessary to amend them through ordinance. That process requires a first and a second reading for a regular ordinance and then for a 30-day referendum period to run. Um, and in this case, it's just simply a matter of timing in terms of um, the council's consider consideration of this notion and when fireworks sales for the um, 2013 Fourth of July season would occur that there's not there's simply not enough time for that um, process for a regular ordinance change to take effect um, whether or not the longer noticed process um, in the government code is used for um, for adoption of codes by reference or whether the exception um, for um, adoption of codes by reference to comply with state law provisions 
is used that dispenses with the notice. Uh, the city's traditionally used um, the the longer notice provision because the city's traditionally been, um, I think, a promoter of um, more notice to the public regarding its actions rather than less. Although it need not do that with in in concerning the subject matter. So <coughs> neither of the regular ordinance um, processes. Um, have enough time before the 4th of July season for this year. So therefore, the only way to um, amend that ordinance and permit an extra day of fireworks sales for the season would be through use of an emergency ordinance, which by law requires the findings that um, have been referred to tonight and referred to in the staff report. So so that's that's the general answer. I'd be happy to elaborate if there are further questions. About that. No, I appreciate it because it goes to the crux of the situation. I have no problem with majority rules. I'm not making the law here, but th this is going to require a unanimous vote if we had a special meeting. And I can tell you that uh, I have no intention of supporting this. I think it would be a lack of integrity on my part if I were to do that kind of flip-flop, and it would be one that I personally could not live with. And so I'm not going to do it if the council had put this on the agenda a couple of months before four and I would have lost to a majority that's fine I have no problem with majority rule just please allow me to maintain my integrity and not ask me to vote for something to make it unanimous Mr. Sharkey please don't do that show respect to the chamber I'll show respect for you and please reciprocate it yes Mr. Mr. Mayor, um, I, I should mention one more thing so my remarks are complete um, it's the city's charter which is a limitation uh, imposed by the voters when they approve the charter that requires the unanimous vote of the council members present to approve an urgency ordinance. So it's general state law that provides that urgency ordinances take immediate effect, but the Petaluma voters have imposed that additional voting requirement in this city uh, by charter or for when an urgency ordinance is adopted by the council. So taken together, that's why that's the only way for, for the, for the um, for an amendment to allow an extra day of fireworks sales to occur in time for this season. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much. I think the Vice Mayor has some words. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, but the couple people have made mention of my past position on fireworks. As the former fire chief here, I've been opposed to fireworks. I maintain that. Uh, the name safe and sane, I think, is a misnomer. I, I prefer state-approved fireworks. This is all documented over the course of time. The issue before us here, on both sides, in my opinion, is that uh, uh, we have a product that is approved, it is legal, and the community on a whole has supported it. Uh, there are those here in this room, uh, here on this dais, who have opposed uh, this process but, or in this product, but the community has supported it. It's been said that Rohnert Park has a day of sales one day earlier. So assuming that that's true and people from Petaluma are driving to Rohnert Park to buy the product and bring it back, the product is here in Petaluma that day earlier and our nonprofits aren't benefiting from it. If we had the, or we do have the reduced days of sales from six and a half to four, and the intent was to reduce the amount of product out there being used. And I commend the fire department for that sales, uh, for those uh, new regulations. 
uh, the reduced day of sales and one day of use, which is not being altered. That is remains constant. One legal day of use, July 4th. So reduced days of sales is a reduced fireworks. And I'll tell you, uh, there's a lot of talk of integrity and, 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 and consistency. Um, I would actually move this item and add the day of sales, but it's conditional. There's a price tag attached to this, and in the, in the uh, paperwork, the uh, packet agenda, there's uh, the sum of $9,000 is bantered about. Uh, I personally would look for the industry and the sales booths, however that works, to uh, put up that $9,000 to pay that fee. The, 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 the city is not asking for additional day of sales. The, the, the uh, vendors are asking for that. So if there's a cost associated with that to the city, uh, the vendors and the industry, uh, TNT, Phantom Fireworks, can, can look at putting that money up. And then there's the number of booths that are out in this community. And we know that we come down to June 20, end, end of June, June 28th, June 29th, the booths start going up around town. And as I understand it, and I have the fire chief and the fire marshal in the room here, uh, there are 22 booths permissible in the city uh, based on our population and by ordinance. And not all of those are being used, so there's approximately 18 that are in use today. And so as a condition of this, I would say I would move the added, added day, but the number of permitted booths be dropped from the 22 to the 18 that are factually there. No one's penalized. All the nonprofits that are in place continue to be in place, but we're not going to take on any new nonprofits. It's from 18 to 22. My opinion, reduced booths means reduced sales, reduced uh, uh, number of product used on July 4th. And one last item, as a nonprofit decides that they want to get out of the firework business and they go from, and the usable number goes from 18 maybe to 17 to 16, that continues to fall as the allowable number of permits out there. The permits are not transferable, you can't be selling them. They, when you abandon your permit, you no longer want to sell fireworks and we just drop that number down to that next lower level. And maybe through attrition, this issue would take the end result that I'd prefer that we not have the fireworks, but we have a reduced amount of volume on July, on July uh, 4th. So it's still one day's of sales. And so, Mr. Mayor, I would be willing to move the item with the uh, there's nothing to move. The point, where, where are we? I, I understand. And we do, but move this thing forward to bring it back to an emergency meeting to do what we need to do. Uh, each individual council member can do what they feel they want to do. But I'd be willing to bring this back if, in fact, the industry was picking up this $9,000 fee or whatever the fee ends up being. And they agree to reducing the total number of permits from the allocated 22, which has been the historic number, down to the factual 
18 that's in place today and then as they uh, not be uh, an entity wants to get out of this business that it, they're not being able to pick up that permit it drops from 18 17 16 and through attrition over the course of time maybe we're out of this all together which is I think where you'd like to go. Well, uh, let me, before we go there, because we're going to spend a lot of time Mayor. talking about having a meeting that's going to go nowhere if it's true, it requires unanimous support. Because when Councilmember Albertson was Fire Chief Albertson, he did such a good job of convincing me that fireworks should be banned, that that has become a value with me that I'm going to support. And so I'm not going to walk away from that. I'm, I'm so I don't know why we're going to do this. Maybe we can do it for next year, and it can pass with a simple majority. But if it takes unanimous, I'm not flip-flopping, Mr. Mayor. Mr. First, first Council Member Miller, because she had her hand up, or Mr. Actually, Mr. Harris had her hand up then. first. That's so I'll, perfect. I'll go after Mr. Him. Harris, and then Council Member Miller. Whichever. Um, I think all this is a moot point based on what you just said. What you started the meeting, the discussion with is that uh, we're making the decision to give direction for staff to potentially come back next Monday and that's going to need a unanimous vote. If it's not going to get a unanimous vote, we don't need staff to do that. I still feel that we should have the extra day personally because the nonprofits I still feel are at a competitive disadvantage. So if we did a straw vote right now and just said up or down and if it doesn't pass muster, then we know it wouldn't get a unanimous vote on next Monday if we had a special meeting. And I have a question for Mr. Danley, because a straw vote is not on our agenda for oh. the night, but it does take unanimous to proceed. I d I'm not going to call the meeting myself. I'm not going to do it, and so I'm going to let Mr. Danley weigh in. I'll just, as a reminder, it's the charter requirement is unanimous vote of the members present, so it's not necessarily unanimous vote of the seats. So all those that would be present at a special meeting must vote in favor. Of course, there must be a quorum for there even to be a special meeting. Unfortunately, um, I'm going to be in town. <laughs> <laughs> could I, could I buy stock in somebody and get myself out of this predicament? I, I just wanted right. to be clear about that. Um, the other thing I was going to say is because a straw vote is not action, but an, you know, an indication for purposes of that meeting, and it's not binding as to how council members are inclined, I don't think that's precluded on tonight's agenda. So okay. if the council wanted to have a straw vote, I believe you can. I think that it's a good idea. Thank you. I don't think we need a straw vote. We already know that one person won't right. vote for it. So it yeah. really, we already know it's not unanimous. So it doesn't really matter. So, Mr. Mayor, I would move that we table this because it is, or, you know. What I want to know at this point, because I, I have no intention of voting for this on June 24th. I can't make it any clearer than that, and it's a principled position. And you can believe it is or you can believe it's not, but it is. I wasn't kidding when I said I wanted these things banned. I'm certainly not going to vote for uh, further sales of them, no matter how worthy. Does the end justify the means? That's a philosophical debate that this society and others have had forever. To me, the end doesn't justify the means. For somebody else, it might. That's fine. But you're going to have to do this without me. Now there's a way to do it. We can move this forward. We can craft legislation. We can put it there, and it can come to a vote, and a simple majority can carry it, and it can be implemented starting next year. Mr. Healy. Yeah, uh, thank you for inviting me to your radio show. You're welcome. Um, thank you for putting this on the agenda. So I, I think we get the point that nothing is going to happen with a special meeting with a unanimous vote. Um, I, I do continue to be frustrated by the fact that our nonprofits are at a disadvantage. As I, as I recall how this process unfolded several years ago, 
Um, we had a, a, a joint task force of staff of the different departments that came up with a recommendation for the program that Petaluma eventually adopted. Uh, it went to Roner Park, they added the extra day, and that's been the source of the frustration uh, ever since. So. Um, I, I guess I'm back to the city manager's uh, original comments. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of waiting for some countywide or joint effort to proceed much further because that's kind of what got us into this mess in the first place. Although I'd be willing to let that run run for a couple months and see where it goes. Um, but I would like to see, and I think Mr. Albertson has a good compromise proposal um, that, that that come forward in due course as a standalone and we just get that done for, for next year. I, I'm perfectly comfortable with that. So we're going to bring this back in some form that it can be vetted and will require a simple majority and it will happen on next year's time frame. Mr. Brown. Uh, I'd like to hear from the rest of the council yes. on what Mr. Healy and Mr. Albertson have talked about because if it is something that you want us to pursue in that direction, it'll give us the opportunity to get started on it and, and start making the connections that we need to for cost recovery and so on. So Perfect. we'd like to leave the room tonight with that direction. Perfect. If that's where we're going. Councilmember Miller. I, I would concur with uh, Councilmember Albertson and, and Councilmember Healy. Um, I would like to see this. I think it's unfortunate that we can't get it done this year, but I definitely want to see it moved forward and in place before the 4th of July season next year. Okay, and who else wants to weigh in here? Mr. Harris. I'll agree with that. I think what Mr. Albertson brought forward was a good compromise. I don't have any confidence that the countywide um, coalition will get together in a timely manner. So if we can have this in a standalone issue that comes for us and before, uh, we can give the groups out there certainty at least for next year so it's not dragging out another year. Yes, sir. Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I think our positions are very similar. I think what we're looking at here, though, is more than one way to fry chicken. There's a there is uh, the reducing the amount of product that's being used in this in the community is going to improve the safety in the community and if this does not go forward through the emergency meeting and it looks like urgency meeting and it looks like that's not going to be the case when this does come back the fire department brings this back to uh, the council in some other form or fashion that this issue of the of the booth and the booth numbers uh, uh, be something to be considered and brought back to council thank you sir okay thank you does that give you good enough direction I, I think so unless you want to hear from Dave. I can't hear you, you got to turn on your microphone I'm sorry unless you right. want to hear from members who have not had an opportunity to it, it's off again something Mr. Mayor, Mr. I Mayor. have enough direction but there may be members who want to speak yet Mr. So, Kearney. Yes, thank you. So I am supportive. I don't. I not only uh, don't think we would have the seven votes next Monday. Uh, I personally won't be here to vote for it either way. Um, but I, I do agree with the direction going forward for next year. Okay. Uh, anybody else before we wrap this up, Councilmember Barrett? Oh, might as well. Um, I, no, I actually don't even think this is on our uh, council adopted goals. So uh, I, I see this as uh, Mr. Healy used to call it silly season starting in the middle of a non-election year. I mean, this to me, this was a non-starter to begin with. Um, the mayor had said before that he wasn't supporting it last time. And I believe anybody who knows how it works and everybody sitting at this day as should uh, knows that, that we needed a, a unanimous vote. So just putting it on the agenda, I think, was a feel-good sort of uh, action that cost us a lot of uh, time of staff and and went nowhere tonight and it was just a waste of time 
and political action. So, no. Okay. With that, we're on to item 4B if we've beaten that to death. With that, item 4B is the Petaluma Public Art Program. This is uh, the proposal to uh, adopt the Public Art Master Plan with text amendments to Chapter 18 of the Implementing Zoning Ordinance and modifications to the Public Art Committee's Implementing Legislation and Procedural Guidelines. Ms. Hines. Good evening. Um, so as the mayor read, this is three components that have to do with the Petaluma Public Art Program. Um, starting with the master plan, the master plan is something that the Public Art Committee has been working um, tirelessly at for the last couple years. We're very pleased to have a draft before the council for adoption. Um, the master plan outlines the mission, the goals and policies for the public art program in Petaluma. It has been before the Recreation, Music and Parks Commission as well as the Planning Commission has a um, positive recommendation from both of them. The draft before you this evening is uh, much prettier than the version that either of those commissions saw but um, has some minor changes incorporated that either of those commissions or both of those commissions would like to see. Um, there are members of the Public Art Committee here tonight, uh, Annie Knight, Allison Marks, Karen Peterson, and I'm not sure if Marjorie Helm has arrived, but um, are here tonight and are happy to answer any questions about that process should the council have questions on that. Um, I was not part of that process from the get-go, so they are much um, okay. better representation. Um, the ordinance changes, the, and you also have a um, slightly updated resolution um, before you for the adoption of the master plan should be in front of you, yes? Um, that has a slight change to the now, therefore, be it resolved. Um, you also have public comment from um, the Reinhardts supporting it, referencing the starboard letter that you also had before you. Um, moving to the proposed amendments to Chapter 18, this is the section in the Implementing Zoning Ordinance that outlines the requirements of the public art program, um, both in public and private um, projects. The proposed changes don't change these requirements. It doesn't change the threshold or the dollar amount or who, um, who it applies to. It's really clarifying, streamlining, better integrating. Probably the most significant change is that it puts the Public Art Committee as the decision maker on whether or not a project meets the criteria of the um, Public Art Ordinance. So the criteria that's outlined in the ordinance, that it's an original piece of art, that it's, um, that it's incorporated well into the site design, those criteria that are outlined in the ordinance, the Public Art Committee will now become the body that makes that determination. Um, the Planning Commission and, again, the um, Recreation, Music, and Parks Commission looked at this. The Planning Commission had a couple recommendations that have been incorporated. It was some clarification that maintenance of the public art piece is not incorporated, is not part of the 1%. It also um, was that if a piece of art needs to be replaced, that it should be replaced at that original value in present dollars, wanting to make sure that the assessed value of the piece of art when it needs to be taken out, 
let's say it's been damaged, obviously the value is going to be much less, that the replacement cost shouldn't be based on that. And then um, the final piece from the Planning Commission was a suggestion to the council to reconsider the policy that residential projects over a certain size don't have a requirement to incorporate public art. Um, you also have a revised ordinance in front of you correcting some of the resolution versus ordinance language. So that is also before you tonight um, as, a, as an addition. And then the final component of this package is attachment three, which is modifications to the Public Art Committee enabling legislation. Um, this brings it more into compliance with how some of the other committees are structured, talks about the terms, um, the meetings, the, um, the objectives of that committee and the work that, that they're tasked with doing by the council. Um, it would be staff's recommendation that the council approve the resolution adopting the master plan and approve the introduction of the ordinance and then wait to approve this third resolution at the time of a second reading of the ordinance because the enabling legislation refers to the new changes to chapter 18 and with the 30 days it would make better sense to do that in a final during the second reading. Okay, so are there any questions from the council on this particular item? Vice Mayor Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I have, a, Ms. Hines, a, a question on, on looking page 12 of the master plan and references to uh, public buildings um, and public art or public buildings. And then at page 23, it runs down examples of the public buildings the City Hall Complex, Keller Street Garages, Community Centers, Airport, Senior Center, Police Station, Fire Stations. As those buildings are being proposed and being funded, uh, the monies for public art is not developer money, it's not private money, it's yours and my money, it's our money, it's public money. And I question whether in public buildings that that money could not be better spent on facilities and uh, as opposed to art. I, I support the art and I think it's, it's a great idea, but that 1%, if we have a $10 million structure, there's $100,000 that could be going into some facility-related improvement on the structure or the facility itself to make it enhance it, make it more uh, 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 substantial, making it more serviceable to the public. Uh, the hundred million plus uh, wastewater treatment plant. I mean, there's a uh, a million dollars that we're going to throw toward uh, public art that could be used for something more tangible, more wastewater related, more public service related. I, so I, I question I question the the public building aspect of this. So a, a couple things about that. One is um, public art could be incorporated around public buildings. Uh, as part of money that's collected from the in Luffy. So it could be a piece of art is put on the grounds of a public building with the in Luffy that's collected through through um, the public art program for private development. And, but, for and maybe I misunderstood then. I, th I thought that if there the city was going to build a 
public building, we would have to incorporate a fee for public art as part of that. That is also the current, the way that the ordinance is currently adopted. That's not something that's changing in anything that's proposed now. But yes, the way that the current requirement is, it's for both private and public development. That's my concern. Okay. Other comments? Councilmember Barrett. Um, thank you. Well, as someone who was on the uh, serving as the liaison to the Park and Rec Commission when this came before us, I'm really glad to see a lot of the changes that were brought in from the first draft, and I, um, you know, I'm happy to support this. I I do think. Um, the comment brought up by the Reinhardts about adding Petaluma waterways uh, to the sites um, that would get public art would be a good addition. But th would that be the kind of thing that we could do at the second reading? Um, if we, if that were the will of the council. Well, it's my understanding that what um, Susan Starbird and the Reinhardts have requested is that. Um, in the master plan that waterways be added as a separate um, instead of like municipal facilities or gateways that it would be waterways so it wouldn't be the second reading because it wouldn't be part of the ordinance it'd be part of the master plan and waterways are mentioned in here under is it the the trails section pedestrian and recreational pathways uh, the Petaluma waterways is listed as an example in the master plan under that okay. so it doesn't and this was discussed at the Planning Commission that it doesn't preclude art from being incorporated in there but it doesn't call okay. it out okay well I'm satisfied with that um, and just to address the issue that uh, Councilmember Albertson brought up you know, we all have philosophical positions on what we think about different ordinances. For example, the last one we just had a discussion about. <laughs> but once it's adopted, it's adopted. And um, that's not something that's being changed in this uh, ordinance. You know, that, that, that's really not the point of what is in front of us today as I see it. So I'm, I'm happy to support this as it is submitted. Mr. Mayor. Mr. Healy. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'll support this as well. Um, I'm, I'm a little perplexed by the um, discussion about the, the new wastewater plant because there's nothing on the uh, lo public art locations in the, the last page of the master plan that indicates that. I don't know if we're counting the, the mouse head as public art. Um, but maybe there's something else out there that I just missed me. Um, the, the only, and I want to congratulate um, the, the committee members and staff for putting it, what's in obviously an incredible amount of uh, hard work into this. Um, and and I, I know they're going to be very pleased to see this, this particular chapter um, come, to, come to close. Um, what does strike me, though, and, and I, I guess I'd like to ask staff's impression on this. Uh, when we just had the, the budget discussions, there's a fund balance of about $245,000 in the public art fund. And um, are, are we going to turn these good people loose to uh, maybe have some kind of a competition to actually spend some of that and get some art? 
I wouldn't characterize it exactly as turning anybody loose. <laughs> we certainly are going to be encouraging that there be some public art money spent. Okay. That'll be done through the normal budgeting process, uh, and that, that'll come back to the city council for approval as that happens. And I'm sure there will be lots of interesting input on, on where that can happen and, and how to design that kind of a competition or, or process, and I look forward to that. So, Thank, thank you. you. Other comment? Okay. Um, I'm going to open it up for public comment. I, I, I want to congratulate the people that did this. I remember the first time this came, after about a year and a half of work, it wound up doing a boomerang and came back, you know, later and did get adopted. Um, I do know that art adds to property values, and it adds to property values all over the city. So I know that the city recoups, in many ways, uh, this investment, so it's not strictly out-of-cash uh, expenditures that does have a way of replenishing money and bringing it back because you create uh, an ambiance about your community that enhances the community. I don't have any public comment cards on this, uh, but I'm going to open it up for public comment if someone wants to address the council before we take a vote on this. Um, seeing no one rise, public comment is hereby. Do I see people rising? Okay. Uh, yes, please, Allison Marks. I, um, I just really want to thank the committee. I, I'm more recently on the committee, but as, as Heather said, this was really um, a, a project of the heart that the committee did uh, for the last two years. And it was an open public participatory process. The public was invited to be there. And um, it, this is a great transitional moment. The economy's improving, and so for the first time, there's actually some money in the public art fund and um, we after all this work there's now this guiding document for the committee to use um, to go forward and you know I, I think it's going to be an evolving process and an evolving document and the community is really invited into the discussion on the committee level and um, in collaboration with the Petaluma Art Center the committee is going to do a public art forum on September 7th, which will um, be to really open up the dialogue in the community about public art and the many possibilities that there are to be able to move forward and uh, do some wonderful things in the community. So I, I just want to thank the council who supported this for all this time, and we're really looking forward to moving ahead. Okay, so is there anyone else who wishes to address the council on this item? Item 4B is in boy. Uh, seeing no one else rise, public comment is hereby closed. We um, will bring it back to the council. We're looking for two actions here tonight. One is um, a vote on the resolution of the City of Petaluma City Council to adopt the Petaluma Public Art Master Plan. And in addition to that, uh, an ordinance of the City of Petaluma amending chapter 18 of the implementing zoning ordinance. Those are the two actions. If the council is going to vote the same on both, can it be done in one motion? Yes, Mr. Mayor, particularly since you clarified what actions it's taking, so that's that's helpful. The record shows that it's on those two items and not the third resolution for tonight. Thanks. Uh, Mr. Mayor. Mr. Kearney. I'll go ahead and make the motion. First, let me ask, is there anyone that's going to separate their votes on these two items? Okay, so Council Member Kearney's motion. Second. Seconded by Council Member Barrett, and with that, we'll vote by the lights. The motion carries unanimously. 
seven to nothing. Congratulations and thank you. And we'll look forward to um, some good art coming toward our community. With that, we are on to, we change the order just slightly here. We're on to Mr. St. John. And there are three items on Mr. St. John's docket. So we're just skipping over item 4C for the moment. We're on to item 4D. This is a resolution approving the budget and authorizing the award of a contract for the Wilmington Pump Station upgrade project. Um, I don't have any speaker cards on this item. And I need to get past to my, just give me a moment here. <laughs> What a meeting this is. Okay, uh, on to item 4D, and it's um, an issue that is pretty cut and dry. Is there any council questions for Mr. St. John? If not, I'll entertain a motion on item 4D. Move approval. Second. We got a motion by Healy, a second, was it by Miller? Second by Miller, I need to open it up for public comment. Is there any public comment on item 4D as in David? Seeing no one rise, public comment is hereby closed. We'll vote by the lights on item 4D. That carries unanimously. We're on to item 4E. This is a resolution authorizing the award of the contract for East Washington Street 18-inch water main replacement. Again, Mr. St. John, a very brief and detailed staff report uh, on a bid that comes in under bid. Are there any questions on the part of the council on this item? Councilmember Miller? I just had one question. Um, is there going to be any repaving in conjunction with this since we're going to have the street all dug up? We will be repaving the entire lane that we disturb. Okay. We will not be repaving the entire four lanes of the street. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, Vice Mayor Albertson. Mr. St. John, on the background section of the uh, agenda item, uh, it men mentions this is the third phase replacing existing water mains. Third phase and last phase? Oh, God, no. I think Golden Gate Bridge. Dreaming. It's the last phase between the freeway and East Washington. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, in between the boulevard. I believe we will be continuing beyond uh, on the both the west side of town and the east side of town in time. I don't have those schedules. But I can get them through. From the boulevard down, this is the last phase. This is the last stage between the boulevard and the freeway. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, any other questions? I don't remember now if I opened up public comment on this one. Is there anyone that wishes to speak to the council on item 4E as in Edward? Seeing no one rise, public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed. Is there a motion on this item? Make the motion. I'll second. Motion by Barrett, second by Miller. And if there's no further discussion, we'll vote for the, by the lights on item 4E as in Edward. motion carries unanimously. We're on to item 4F. This again is Mr. St. John and it is the first reading of an ordinance authorizing the city manager to complete all necessary transactions for the purchase of the Norman Richards and D.G. Gilson property located at 1375 Industrial Avenue. Um, Council's been working on this for a while. I think the staff report is uh, sufficiently detailed. I don't know that we need a verbal presentation but uh, I'm going to ask the council if they have any questions on item 4F. Mr. Healy. Um, no questions, but I'm very pleased to see this move forward. There is a typo at the bottom of the first page of the ordinance. Uh, Mr. Richard's first name is shown as Normal instead of Norman. I'm sure he's normal, but I'm sure he'd prefer Norman. 
And with that, I'll move the item. Okay. Second. All right. So we got a motion by Healy, a second by Harris. I need to open this up for public comment. This is item 4F is in Frank. Is there any public comment? Seeing no one come forward to address the council on this item, public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed. And with that, we'll be voting by the lights. Item carries unanimously. Thank you, Mr. St. John. Okay, with that, we're on to item 4C, I believe. Let me just <laughs> double check my agenda and make sure we've got this in the proper order. We've sufficiently uh, scared applicants off. <laughs> well, you know, they need to know what it's like. <laughs> okay. Oh, gosh. Now people will be stuffing the ballot box for their neighbor. Uh, with that, I'm going to ask if we can take a five-minute break before we start this, because this could get a little bit detailed, and I need to clean off my desk and start with a clean slate. So we're just going to... Okay, we're back. Um, let's see. Um, we're going to make one more uh, substitution in terms of the order of the agenda. We're going to move to item 4H and get a presentation. It's a relatively speaking short presentation. It's about the um, animal services. We're going to accept the reports. So there's not a lot of debate that's going to go on. We're just going to hear the presentation. And uh, so folks that have applied for Animal Services Advisory Commission will get a little bit of an update on that. And then we'll come to the appointments, I promise. How about 4I? I mean, yes, Mr. Brown. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I wanted to tee this up so it won't be as short as it otherwise would have been. Uh, but uh, we entered into a contract with the Animal Services Foundation about a year ago now in July. And the council had a number of objectives in doing that. Uh, and primary among those was maintaining a viable animal services program. Uh, we were trying to avoid any further reductions in the number of staff that were available to provide these services. We were looking for insulation from future cost increases. Uh, very much important to the council was improving the health and welfare of animals in the shelter. And that included increasing our adoption rates, reducing the euthanization rates, uh, with the go goal that the shelter would be a no-kill shelter. Uh, we were also interested in providing training and rehabilitation for animals to increase their adoptability. Uh, we wanted to be able to capitalize on the uh, foundation's nonprofit status to allow uh, for additional grant funding that the city was not available uh, was not available to the city as a municipal organization. Also, contributions and bequests that people would normally not make to the city. And, and ultimately, we were hoping to expand the operations uh, of the facility and the programs and the number of st staff uh, working there over time uh, as the foundation became more successful in its fundraising activities. Uh, the contract with the foundation has reporting requirements. It calls for a semi-annual report. It also calls for an annual report. Uh, these reports are to be presented uh, to me in the form uh, specified by myself. They're also to be provided to the Animal Services uh, Advisory Committee. Uh, and the Advisory Committee then is to make recommendations to your City Council as to the acceptability of, of that report. So uh, the first reporting period for this year ended in February. Uh, it took us a while to get to the Animal Services Advisory Committee with that report because we did not have a quorum until we were able to change the uh, operating 
uh, resolution to get down to the number of people that we actually had available to, to make a meeting. Uh, so it wasn't until May that this presentation first made it to, to the Animal Services Advisory Committee. It was well received there, I, I think uh, I, I could say. And uh, it has been recommended forward to your council for your consideration and acceptance this evening. Uh, I have here this evening to speak to you Mr. Jeff Charter. He's the executive director. Uh, and then also Sue Davey, who's one of the board members, and, and they are going to make a presentation that, that discusses the report that's been provided to you uh, in your packages this evening. Uh, when we're finished with that, if you have any feedback for me as to additional uh, areas that you'd like to see reported on in future uh, reporting or format changes that you would like to see, then this would be an opportunity to give me that feedback so that I can pass that on prior to the annual report that will be due here within the next couple of months. Good evening. Thanks for having me. City Council, Mr. Mayor, Mr. City Manager, appreciate the opportunity to come before you tonight and talk about the animal shelter here in Petaluma uh, and our movement in the first six months uh, of existence for the foundation. Um, going through the, the report that we, uh, we submitted to you, you can see we took the first, or I'm sorry, the last year of the city-run animal shelter statistics and numbers and then compared next to them in the right-hand column the first six months uh, of our numbers with the foundation. So the first thing you see listed is the number of animals that were actually uh, adopted into forever homes. So for the last fiscal year that the city of Petaluma ran the shelter, we did 515 adoptions. The first six months of the foundation, we completed 387 adoptions, so that puts us on pace for a little over 750 for our first year. Number of animals euthanized, um, last fiscal year, 132. First six months with the foundation, 12. Uh, so those numbers are all trending in the proper direction where we would hope they would go. I'm going to kind of go over some of the, the other things. We won't go real in depth. I know time is an issue tonight. Um, veterinary and medical stuff is listed right below that. The total number of hours um, and numbers of uh, RVT hours, those are registered veterinary technician number of exams and number of surgeries. Staffing levels listed for July 31st, 2012, then 8-1-2012, and then at the end, or I'm sorry, the beginning of February 2013, uh, broken down into hours per position and then a total number of hours as well. Open hours all remained uh, static exact same hours the city shelter was open as what the shelter is open now. Uh, services provided to the public remain the same. Animal control calls for service and responses uh, remained about exactly where they were the prior year. We did about 900 calls for service uh, last fiscal year with the city and we're about half that six months through. Licensing data, you'll see 731, we had a little over 3,200 uh, dogs licensed in the city of Petaluma. January 31st of 2013, that number had, had risen to a little over 4,000. Um, one of the, uh, the areas where you see the largest uh, change or increase is the, the use of social media, website hits, and uh, Facebook reach, and there's some uh, statistics in there and graphs you're free to look at. Um, attached also to this is uh, one of our finance documents so you can see money coming in, money going out. The rest of the stuff on here is all pretty dry, pretty numbers driven. If you have any questions, I'm here to answer them. Otherwise, I'm just going to take a seat. And 
Well, before you take the seat, I want to congratulate you on the job that you and the people have done, the volunteers, your staff. have spent a lot of time over there, as you know, uh, in the last year. And everything that I've heard has been positive back in relationship to how the animals are being treated. And I think the proof is in the numbers with this um, euthanasia rate, 132 uh, from July 1, 2011 to June 31st, 2012, down to 12. I mean, that is an amazing accomplishment. And more than that, I know that you've also rescued dogs that would have been put to sleep at other animal shelters. You've brought them in and have been able to get those pets adopted. And so you're really to be congratulated in my mind. I just really think that, uh, you know, the, there's more behind it than just the numbers here of what hasn't been put to sleep. It's what has been saved from outside the region as making good pets in people's households. Mr. Mayor, on, on behalf of the Board of Directors, our donors, our employees, and all our supporters, thank you, because there's a lot of people involved in that, volunteers as well, that are way, way beyond me, but on their behalf, I'll accept that. Thank you. I, I'm going to open it up to public comment and then bring it back to the Council if they have comments. Zen Destiny. Didn't we like screw over the employees to make this happen? And I remember hearing up here that uh, <coughs> it was real sad that we were doing that and maybe later we're going to help them and I was kind of wondering if it's later yet. So my, uh, at some point in the, in the rah-rah, if it gets really rah-rah, uh, my suggestion is that we restore what we stole from the employees to make it happen and maybe give, it, give them the back wages with interest or something. If it's going so good, I think whatever the employees gave up to make this happen, okay, we'd like back, please. Thank you. Thank you. Other council comment? Seeing none, we'll accept the report. Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I'm the liaison to Animal Services Committee, and uh, re we received this report from the foundation at our last meeting, and uh, it was accepted there. I too congratulate the foundation on moving this thing forward. Uh, there were, for me, some initial concerns about organization and, and chain of command, but those seem to be working themselves out in the natural events. So I look forward to the annual report and uh, congratulations on the first six months. Thank you. With that, we're going to, as promised, move to item 4C, which is, um, that's I've never seen anything like item 4C. <laughs> I want to thank the public and congratulate the public. This, it was an amazing thing. I was on a train ride out to uh, what turned out to be Winnemucca, and reading the applications kept me busy all the way from uh, Davis to Winnemucca. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of applicants here. Uh, it's going to be interesting to me to see how this all plays out. Um, in analyzing this because I had nothing else to do other than sit on that train and try to figure out how to put this thing together in a way that it would flow and give as many people as possible the opportunity to be considered for as many appointments as possible. Um, so the appointment process, it's not alphabetical, but that's the reason it's not alphabetical is that I tried to leave 
going down the process if somebody gets appointed then be able to take them off of that appointment and go on and leave them in the pool for some subsequent and then there are so many applicants and a couple of them I'm going to suggest to the council that we take a preliminary round of indications of interest before we vote but only do that one time not similar to what we did with uh, the city council process although it proved to be a successful process uh, without indications of interest because that's how uh, the council eventually settled on Gabe Kearney and most people in the community think that that turned out to be a good appointment. Uh, so we have so congratulations, Councilmember Kearney. I shouldn't qualify that by saying Thank most Thank you, people. Mr. Mayor. Yeah, Thank I meant it as a compliment. It just, you know, and then people read into it, all sorts of things. So, you know. Cle all right. Clearly, Mr. Mayor, you saw me push away from the dais when you said that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to walk through this. I've worked with a clerk for many hours over uh, the last couple of days and all day today trying to figure out how to, to make this uh, an orderly process. And before we get started, there are a couple of things that I want to see um, if we can get clarification on because one is there, there became an awareness of the complications of duplicity of assignments and uh, we have those that have applied for some commissions but might be on another body already that they actually would prefer and I'm wondering if the attorney could address the challenges that you have when an appointee is appointed to more than one body. Mr. Danley. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, there, there is a uh, an old common law doctrine that's now codified in Section 1099 of the Government Code um, that deals with incompatibility of office, and what it provides is that um, it's prohibited for um, a um, an office holder of a, of a public office to um, accept an office that is incompatible with an office they already hold. Um, incompatibility is, is a little complex and varied in the case law, um, but it's defined in the statute, which really codifies the common law, to um, provide for circumstances under which um, um, two offices potentially held by the same person would have um, duties or obligations um, that would create conflicting loyalties. Um, it's, it's, it's usually the case that um, overlapping subject matter area, um, such as, for example, um, serving as a planning commissioner and a council member at the same time, um, would create a conflict. In the city of Petaluma, um, because the city is a charter city, and because the charter prescribes that at least for the um, commissions established by the city, that a council member serve on the commissions as a representative of the council to the commission, um, that is a case where the voters in establishing the charter have abrogated the common law rule and, the, and the, this codification of the common law rule for what would otherwise be a prohibited incompatibility of office. So um, to, to, to bring these comments to a close, um, I think sort of good um, general guidance for the council with respect to subordinate bodies is um, that it is best to avoid uh, dual appointments where there's any potential overlap of the duties of those um, uh, uh, of those offices. So, for example, I would say it's probably difficult for a planning commissioner to serve on any other subordinate body because I think most of the other bodies potentially provide advice or recommendations to the planning commission. 
um, and the Planning Commission is both an entitling body and a um, advisory body. Um, and if there's if it's fairly clear that there's no overlap in duties, then I don't think there's a problem. Um, I guess I should also briefly add that the rule um, regarding incompatibility of office that if an office holder accepts an office that's incompatible in, incompatible by operation of law they have vacated the the office they they first held so so that's another reason why it's good to avoid that issue and I'd be happy to have help advise the council to the extent there are um, potential overlapping appointments or um, uh, dual appointments that the council would like to consider. Okay, so specifically what I'm going to put out here, um, Dave Alden, for instance, is on the transit committee. I'm very happy to be on the transit committee and would prefer that as his top priority. And he was applying for in addition to to be on the Music and Parks and Recreation Committee. Uh, however, he would prefer uh, not to vacate that office at the Transit Committee. And then I can only guess that Ray Johnson, who has applied for the Senior Advisory Committee, uh, would prefer the Planning Commission to the Senior Advisory Committee. But Mr. Johnson is not here tonight, I don't think, but I'm going to make the assumption for him that he would prefer not to vacate his position on the Planning Commission. And so those are the two scenarios. So what I'm looking, that I know of right now. Now, as we go through, it's going to be important for the clerk to follow the process because there are are those that have applied for uh, appointments tonight that sit on other bodies perhaps or we may inadvertently accidentally double appoint somebody so we want to be very careful that we don't do that um, but what I'm looking for is direction from the council uh, personally I'd rather keep it just clean and simple and say if somebody's on one let's leave it at that rather than try to figure out then down the road whether they have a conflict or not and we wind up spending a lot of time effort and money on legal fees trying to figure out whether a sitting board member has some conflict for some scenario that we didn't anticipate so that's the scenario if you want to add further clarification if you can before I poll the council not, not clarification mr. mayor um, but uh, one one possible way of approaching this so that's consistent with what you just offered and that is, um, it may be the council's preference to um, to to provide for as much participation by members of the public as possible. So have have um, minimized doubling up um, to the extent there are um, applicants that the council um, feels comfortable approving that that uh, avoid um, dual appointments great if there's a dual appointment the council wants us to look at further such as for example I it's not obvious to me that there would be a, 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 any conflict between Planning Commission service and senior advisory Commission service um, so to the extent that there are uh, dual appointments the council would like to, to uh, potentially approve we could maybe defer those look at those confirm that there's not a problem uh, but Okay. Have the other appointments go forward tonight. That's that'll be one option, but the council may have other direction. That's fine. It seems to be an easy appointment for Mr. Johnson, the senior advisory committee, as long as we're not de facto re then removing him from the planning commission as a result of that, because I think that he would find that very objectionable. Yeah, I, uh, you know. I just so we can just put that one in abeyance when we get to it and we'll just make sure and it's fine when we get to it we'll deal with it but I just wanted to put all the cards on the table and say okay here's here's the evidence as we know it right now so when, right now the only two we have it for are um, Mr. Alden and Mr. Johnson so Mr. Healy 
Uh, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm actually a lot less bothered by this issue um, than um, some of this discussion would, would lead folks to believe. We have, you know, the in my experience, the Park and Rec Commission has liaisons going out to the, uh, as I, as I recall, P-back and to, yeah. um, you know, and so the, there are these double assignments all the time. And, and you know, if, if we're going to have that discussion, we should actually have a, an agendized focused discussion on that with without this kind of speculative um, analysis. So I'm willing to just work through the, the, pro the pile tonight and not be too overly concerned. Okay, so uh, the reason I asked then, are we going to leave Mr. Alden in the pool for the uh, uh, Park Commission? And if he's appointed, still leave him on the Transit Commission. I mean, these, these are questions that I got to know the answer, and I can't dictate it. I, I want to know. I don't see those as being incompatible. I mean, do, Mr. Danley, do you do you see no, that? No, as I being don't. And we haven't. You know, this question just came up today, so it's not like there's some worry based on looking at the contents of those. I just gave the general rule. I mean, as I said, I you know. I could see circumstances where it may be difficult to be on the planning commission and some of the other bodies that that advise it, but but I'm not aware of a overlap of duties. Mr. Mayor, okay. Well, well, no, that's as I said, our charter provides for what would otherwise be incompatible offices, and that's fine. She's also a back. <laughs> so basically, I'm kind of a walking incompatibility under under what you're. I wouldn't refer to you as that. I, yeah, but I mean under what you're saying. <laughs> um, Councilmember Barrett. Yeah, um, I think there's a big difference between being a liaison and having individual positions. You know, you're you're not a, uh, an appointed member of PBAC. And when the year is up, you move or not, you know, if, unless you're reappointed. And if someone leaves the Planning Commission, they leave all of the uh, committees that, that they serve on because they're no, they only serve there to help the Planning Commission. So I think those are very different issues. And I do think it is an issue because I think Mr. Alden has also applied for PBAC, which does have interaction with the, the Transit uh, Committee you know, because they both deal with, you know, Pedestrian and bicycle advisory is, does transit, and, and you know there, those are potential conflicts. So, I, uh, if nothing else, Mr. Alden might want to weigh in on what he'd prefer to do. Uh, I wouldn't mind hearing that. Uh, Mr. Alden told me before the meeting that he's welcome to. He wanted he preferred to stay on transit, but uh, while he steps up, Mr. Healy has a comment. Yeah, I, I think we've beaten this horse enough right now. I think we should just go ahead and vote and see where the chips fall. Well, first we've got to take public comment anyway, so we're going to do that. So as long as Mr. Alden is there first, let's hear from him. Okay. Um, with regard to conflicts, yes, transit is where my loyalty is right now. I'm the chair. I want to stay there. If there's no conflict with being on the Recreation, Music, and Park Committee, that would that would be a fine assignment. I enjoy doing that also. If there is considered a conflict with PBAC, I don't think I see it, but if the council considers there is one, please withdraw my application for that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Mr. Zendestiny, and then if there's anybody else from the council, uh, from the chambers that wants to address any applicants that want to address the council, uh, this would be the time to do it also because we're going to go through all of the votes. We're not going to take them public comment after each one. Out of an overabundance of caution, I'm just curious if anyone's going to have to recuse themselves. You know, and the, really, I like those people that recuse themselves, and you stuck them out. I just harvested it. So when, so you, is there a question on the on, on the questionnaire? Yeah. What I need you to do is ask people if they're going to recuse themselves, and if they say they don't know, I think you need to find some, someone that gives a different answer. There is that question. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, anybody else, any of the applicants want to address the council? I would like to get one clarification from uh, former council member Renee, if I could, because I received an email from uh, former council member Renee that uh, she was most interested in planning commission appointment and that the others, she saw so many qualified applicants that she wasn't interested. And so I'm going to strike your name from all of that from consideration if that's where we are. Thank you. I um, went ahead and put my name in for the other ones because in the past we've had seats left open and I was concerned um, that you know that would happen again. Um, my preference is uh, to only serve on additional committees if I'm serving on the Planning Commission, um, if they don't conflict of course, um, just because of Form 700s and Brown Act and all of that, um, it's it's a much heavier requirement um, to do so and much more of a sacrifice to do so on the Planning Commission and um, there would be sacrifices that I would give up to serve on tech or, or transit that um, I would prefer not to if I'm not actually serving on the Planning Commission. So, so for the purposes of tonight, you, we should consider you an applicant for the Planning Commission and then we should eliminate you from all of the others you, you applied thinking got, the community might need. You've got great um, response this time, and I'm thrilled by that and very excited for that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so is there anybody else who wants to step forward so we can get all the cards on the table so we know what we're dealing with? Please don't be shy. Thank you very much. Hello, City Council. I have to admit it's been about 10 years since I've been at this podium, but I was here 10 years ago. Uh, my name is Domenica Giovanini, and I applied for a position on the Communication Committee. Um, I just want to start by thanking the council for taking your time and consideration. I looked at that volume of applicants and it was quite quite a job in front of you. Um, if I'm chosen, this will actually be my second opportunity in a civic engagement for the city. My first actually being um, as a member of what used to be called the Petaluma Teen Council back when it was piloted. Um, so I was one of those original members back then and um, basically this civic engagement has led my entire life path to give back um, and to be a part of city government. So currently, I work um, for the County of Marin in the Special District of Marin City, which is unincorporated, if you're unfamiliar. Um, and I work for the Community Services District that basically acts as their city government. So I'm on several committees there, and I'm ready to return back to my home commu um, community where I grew up and give back here. Um, Basically, the only thing I want to add to my application that, of course, a goal of mine is to be a role model for uh, young people and my peers, especially young women. Um, and being a woman from this community with my master's degree and owning my own business at such a young age, I think that, um, you know, this is kind of the last piece of the puzzle, just being civically engaged, giving back to my community that gave me the opportunity at such a young age to, um, you know, just learn to be a driven individual and to give back. Um, so, and of course, training the future leaders in our city is really important. Um, my qualifications are in the application for the technology committee, but my business that I own is technology-based, and a lot of the work I do for the community services district is technology-based. Um, so it's just something that's been a big part of my life, and my ultimate desire is to reach people, and I think at this point in time, technology is one of the greatest ways. So, thank you. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Thank you. Just come on up. Don't be shy, but please facilitate it so we don't have a lot of lag time in between. There's a chair there for people in the front. If you think you want to say something, get in the chair and be right up there quick. Introduce yourself, please. Thank you very much. My name is Daniel Powers. I just wanted to introduce myself to the ones that didn't know me, and I would like to recuse myself from the, tr the transportation 
one and keep myself on the technology. Uh, from you want to take your name off of transportation? Correct, and leave myself on the technology. Thank you so much. If the clerk would please make that change. All right. Um, anyone else? Good evening, Council. Um, I'd like to introduce myself to the group. I'm Jasper Lewis Gehring. I'm um, a civil engineer in Sonoma County. Um, I'm an owner and uh, a partner at Summit Engineering. Um, I've been a longtime member of the community here, a transplant, but i uh, grown to love the town. And so I'd like to, um, I'm an applicant for the Planning Commission, and I uh, would like to um, offer my uh, participation in that. Thanks. Thank you very much. Anyone else? Okay, with that, public comment is closed. We'll start the process. In front of you, the council has uh, appointments to the uh, airport commission. There are three vacancies. There's one vacancy for a one-year, what's called PAPA, P-A-P-A, -A, representative, with a term expiring uh, 2014. The nominee is Scott Ahrens. And uh, that's a singular vote with a singular recommendation. So um, other than Papa, there are four candidates for that body, and the council is going to be asked to select two. What a deal, huh? Your cheat sheet. Yeah. Huh. Okay, if everybody would pass it down after they sign it and pass it down to the clerk. While this is going down through, I do want to say for every body, the, every single commission, and committee. I have never seen anything like it in the time that I've been involved and I don't think that uh, Councilmember Healy has been here uh, a little bit longer and Councilmember Harris has been here a little bit longer. I don't think they've seen anything like it either. The number of people and the quality of the applicants so uh, that's a good thing and more than happy to do the research and try to vet and figure out but um, we're going to get good people here. That, that is just a fact. We're going to get really good people on all of these bodies, and I want to thank all of you for applying. And, you know, it, it just um, was really, really something to read all the resumes and everything. Very impressive. Uh, do you have that tabulated? I'm going to read them aloud, and the city attorney will tabulate them. So, Vice Mayor Albertson is voting for Scott Ahrens as the Papa nominee and Joseph Debnar and Kristen Winter as their regular members. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney is voting for Scott Ahrens as the PAPA nominee and Joseph Debnar and Doug Martin as the regular members. Thank you. Councilmember Harris is voting for Scott Ahrens as the PAPA nominee and Joseph Debnar and Kristen Winter as the regular members. Thank you. 
Councilmember Barrett is voting for Scott Ahrens as the PAPA nominee, Joseph Debnar and Kristen Winter as the regular members. Thank you. Mayor Glass is voting for Scott Ahrens as the PAPA nominee, and Doug Martin and Kristen Winter as the regular members. Thank you. Councilmember Healy is voting for Scott Ahrens as the PAPA nominee, Joseph Debnar and Kristen Winter as the regular members. Thank you. And Councilmember Miller is voting for Scott Ahrens as the PAPA nominee, Joseph Debnar and Kristen Winter as the regular members. Thank you. So um, there are, um, there's unanimous support for uh, Mr. Ahrens as, as the PAPA nominee, and there are, um, there's the same number of votes for the highest vote getters for the two other vacancies. Um, Mr. Debna received six votes, and Ms. Winter received six votes, with uh, two votes going to uh, Mr. Martin. Okay, so uh, the terms are all identical, so we're done with that one, and congratulations to everybody, and thank you for applying. Uh, the appointees will be Debner and Winter. Uh, the terms will be for four-year term expiring June 30th, 2017. The PAPA term goes to June 30th, 2014 for Scott Aarons. With that, we're on to the next one, which is uh, Animal Services Advisory Committee. There are two vacancies for three-year terms expiring June 30th, 2016. And uh, so there's three uh, folks that have expressed interest in that, and the council has requested to vote for two. Are you ready, Mr. City Attorney? I am, Madam Clerk. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Mayor Glass has voted for Jake Marble and Skylar Timko. Thank you. Councilmember Harris has voted for Jake Marble and Skylar Timko. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for Maria Peterson and Skylar Timko. Thank you. Councilmember Barrett has voted for Jake Marble and Skylar Timko. Thank you. Vice Mayor Albertson has voted for Jake Marble and Skylar Timko. Thank you. Councilmember Healy has voted for Jake Marble and Maria Peterson. Thank you. And Councilmember Miller has voted for Jake Marble and Skylar Timko. Thank you. So the uh, two highest vote getters are um, Mr. Marble and Mr. Timko with six votes each with two votes uh, to Ms. Peterson. Okay, and with that, uh, those are the appointees, Marble and Timko, to uh, three-year terms expiring June 30th, 2016, to the Animal Services Advisory Committee. With that, we're on to the uh, Technology Advisory Committee. 
and there are three vacancies for two-year terms expiring June 30th, 2015, and there is one vacancy to complete a two-year term expiring June 30th, 2014, and on your ballots, please strike the name of Tiffany Renee, so that therefore there are a total of five uh, interested parties in the Tech Committee, and the Council is requested to vote for four. Just hold it. Thank you, please. Okay, Council Member Healy is voting for Rick, I don't know how to pronounce this last name, um, G-I-E-S-E-A, any ideas? Well, we'll call it Gisa. Gisa. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Rick Gisa, Dominica Giovannini, Cheryl McVeigh, and Daniel Powers. Thank you. Council Member Barrett has voted for... Chris Farkas, Rick Gisa, Domenica Giovannini, and Cheryl McVeigh. Thank you. Councilmember Harris has voted for Chris Farkas, Domenica Giovannini, Cheryl McVeigh, and Daniel Powers. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for Chris Farkas, Domenica Giovannini, Cheryl McVeigh, and Daniel Powers. Thank you. Mayor Glass has voted for Chris Farkas, Rick Gisa, Domenica Giovannini, and Cheryl McVeigh. Thank you. Vice Mayor Albertson has voted for Chris Farkas, Domenica Giovannini, Cheryl McVeigh, and Daniel Powers. Thank you. And Councilmember Miller has voted for Rick Gisa, Domenica Giovannini, Cheryl McVeigh and Daniel Powers. Thank you. Okay, so um, the 
there are two um, applicants that received seven votes, Dominica Giovannini and Cheryl McVeigh. Uh, those are the two highest vote getters. And the next two highest vote getters um, are Chris Farkas, who received five votes, and Daniel Powers, who received five votes. With uh, Mr. I guess it's Gicia, if it's Italian pronunciation, receiving four votes. Thank you. Wait a minute. Could I have that um, repeated? I've, I've got five people there getting elected. That can't be right. No, the, the two highest vote getters are um, Ms. Uh, I'm looking for three vacancies for two-year terms and one vacancy uh, for the completion of a term. So we're looking for four so people four, to get elected. Right. So the four, four highest vote getters are um, uh, uh, Ms. Giovannini, Ms. McVeigh, uh, Mr. Farkas, and... Um, Mr. Powers, thank you. Mr. Powers, okay, so then um, out of that we had um, two that got five each, is that correct? Yes, two that got seven and two that got five. Okay, so uh, we have a runoff between Farkas and Powers to determine the winner of that runoff will get uh, the three-year term to 2015 and the subsequent um, other person will get to 2014. That works if the council wants to decide that way. That's fine. Rather than send out the ballots all over again, if we can agree to do this, your yes button would be um, for Farkas. He's first on the ballot here. And the no button would be for Powers. And we just vote by the lights real fast, and we'll determine uh, who gets the longer term. So the yes button is Farkas. The no button is Powers. And we'll see who gets the majority of votes, OK? Okay, so that would be Powers getting the uh, longer appointment to 2015 and Farkas getting the appointment to June 30th, 2014. That breaks the tie. Okay, with that, now we're on to the next one is... Um, the Planning Commission, and the Planning Commission has a couple of parts to it, actually, because we have the historical rep, uh, much like we have with the Airport Commission and with the Art Commission that we'll get to later. We have uh, a recommendation for Terry Koswick, and that um, has a nuance to it because Mr. Koswick has also applied for the Planning Commission. So um, with that, we'll take the Planning Commission first, and then see how that plays out, and then we may wind up um, subsequently uh, having to do the historical position on another night, depending on, on how this turns out. Uh, so with that, here's where uh, I'm going to request that we do this one time. I've talked to the city manager about it. I've talked to the clerk about it. I've played it over in my mind trying to figure out how to sort out this many qualified applicants. Uh, and what I would ask the council to uh, do is one round of just putting down the people that interest you so we can narrow the field and you could go down as, as long as you want on the list and we'll come up with um, kind of like a primary and then we'll see if there if there's no interest in a half a dozen of people it makes the selection process a lot easier rather than people wasting votes uh, you know so if you just humor me with this since 
you're not going to humor me. Well, that's fine. Um, <laughs> so it takes four votes for me to do what, you know, run the meeting the way I'm recommending to run it. Um, so this is what I'm recommending. So if we don't want to do it, I'm just going to ask a vote by the lights, not a lot of discussion. Are you going to allow me to run it this way, or do you want to just go right straight into votes, and we just do a yes or no, and we don't need to discuss it a lot. I think it's self-explanatory, um, but I think that it makes sense to lower the the pool of applicants uh, somehow. So that's what I'm requesting, how I want to do this, and we just do a yes or no up and down on the vote, and if not, we'll proceed right to the ballots. Uh, yeah, Mr. Mayor, I'm yes. not, not going to support that. I think we have a process that we've always followed the, the years I've been doing this, and I'm, I'm comfortable following that procedure. And we right, each, well, we, we don't each, need a lot of debate. We each got one vote. Uh, we each got four votes in this case. That's right. Okay. All I'm asking for, though, is a vote yes or no, and we'll get, you know, that's fine. But I'm just going to, you know, for procedure, because you've been doing this a long time, and so have I, and I've never seen 17 applicants. So it just would help me, because I read every application. Uh, it would help me narrow the field of where my votes ought to go. Uh, but that's fine. So let's just vote yes or no, and then we'll go. And vote by the lights, please. And yes is to support yes the is to interest form, and no is just to go straight to ballot. Exactly. Okay. Okay, so that's, um, we're going to go straight to ballot. All right, so vote for four on the Planning Commission. Uh, let's see, okay. Vote for four. Councilmember Miller has voted for Richard Marzo, Jennifer Pierre, J.T. Wick, and Jocelyn Yeh-Lin. So this time, because the chart is so big, if I could just confirm those votes each time, that may be a little tedious, but I want to keep get this right. So I've got one vote for um, Councilmember Miller, each for Marzo, Pierre, Wick and Yaelin, is that right? That's correct. Thank you. Councilmember Healy has voted for Richard Marzo, Jennifer Pierre, J.T. Wick, and Jocelyn Yaelin. Okay, so those are the same. Correct. Okay, thank you. Councilmember Barrett has voted for Daryl Johnson, 
Roger Leventhal, Jennifer Pierre, and David Powers. Okay, that's Johnson, Leventhal, Pierre, and Powers. Correct. Thank you. Councilmember Harris has voted for Richard Marzo, Jennifer Pierre, J.T. Wick, and Jocelyn Yeh-Lynn. So for Harris, I have Marzo, Pierre, Wick, and Yeh-Lynn. Correct. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for Richard Marzo, Tiffany Renee, J.T. Wick, and Jocelyn Yeh-Lynn. So for Kearney, I have Marceau, Renee, Wick, and Yaelin. Correct. Thanks. Mayor Glass has voted for Daryl Johnson, Roger Leventhal, Jennifer Pierre, and Jocelyn Yaelin. So for Glass, I have Johnson, Leventhal, Pierre, and Yaelin. Correct. And Vice Mayor Albertson has voted for Richard Marzo, Jennifer Pierre, J.T. Wick, and Jocelyn Yaelin. For Albertson, Marzo, Pierre, Wick, and Yaelin. Correct. Thank you. Okay, so um, the two highest vote getters are um, our current commissioner Pierre and Ms. Yelin, and the second, uh, the two second highest vote getters are Mr. Marzo and Mr. Wick, um, at five votes each, and there were also um, two votes for Mr. Johnson, two for Mr. Leventhal and one each for um, uh, Mr. Powers and Ms. Renee. Okay, so again, we have three vacancies for a four-year term expiring June 30th, 2017, and we have one vacancy to complete a four-year term expiring June 30th, 2014. Uh, so we're looking for four, and we have the two highest vote-getters will re receive the 2017, and who are the next two that finished in a tie? The next two are uh, Marzo and Wick. Okay, so it's a vote between Marzo and Wick for the four-year term that expires June 30th, 2014, correct? If that's how the council yeah. wants to proceed, yeah. that's fine. That would be great. So it worked so well the first time. Uh, I hope the council will allow me this privilege again. Yes is for Marzo and no is for Wick. We'll vote by the lights. Say that again. Okay, follow closely. Yes is for Marzo, and no is for Wick, and yes and no have nothing to do with them. Mr. It Mayor? just has to do with use of the lights. Mr. Mayor? Yes. If I may, both the applicants are here as well. Do they have preferences between the two? I'm assuming they want to serve for as long as possible, but um, uh, if one of them would prefer the short term, uh, that's fine. I'd be open to hearing from one of them, but uh, I think it actually is the responsibility of the council to say who they want to appoint. So I'm good to go to vote. Are you, uh, I can't hear what you said, JT. <laughs> 
We're in a vote. Nice try to get off the hot seat, Mr. Harris, but it uh, doesn't wasn't, work. That wasn't the attempt, Mr. Mayor. Oh. You're, you're guessing that. But. Yes, I am. Okay. Yes, it's Marzell and no is Wick. We'll vote by the lights. Okay, so the yeses have it. Congratulations, Mr. Marzo. You have won yourself aggravation until June 30th, 2017. And Mr. Wick will get off the hook considerably earlier. Uh, all right, with that, we're on to the next one. Okay, so I'm not going to ask about indications of interest. I can take a hint. Uh, so we're on to Pedestrian Bicycle Advisory Committee. There are seven applicants. We're going to delete council, former council member Renee from the applicant pool per her request and we will pick from the remaining six we also have the complexity of the earlier issue discussed about Mr. Alden and the situation with the Transit Committee, which may or may not be a factor. Uh, we cleared that up as much as mud, but at least we discussed it. And so the council can vote any way they want on that. Uh, we're not going to discuss that anymore. We'll deal with it if it proves to be a factor. With that, please vote for one on the Pedestrian and Bicycle Advisory Committee. Councilmember Healy has voted for Pamela Asselmeyer. Thank you. Councilmember Barrett has voted for Pamela Asselmeyer. Thank you. Councilmember Harris has voted for Pamela Asselmeyer. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for Dave Alden. Thank you. Mayor Glass has voted for Pamela Asselmeyer. Thank you. Vice Mayor Albertson has voted for Pamela Asselmeyer. Thank you. And Councilmember Miller has voted for Pamela Asselmeyer. Thank you. So Ms. Asselmeyer is the highest vote getter uh, with six votes, and there is one for Mr. Alden. Thank you so much. Now we're on to the. Um, Recreation, Music, and Parks Commission, so we'll be deleting Pamela Osselmeyer from the pool of candidates for that uh, nomination. And I'm going to ask the, I know that Chris Farkas has been appointed to Tech Committee, so we'll be deleting Chris uh, Farkas. If I remember, Dominica uh, Giovanni has also been appointed to the Tech Committee, so we'll be deleting her name uh, from consideration. And Cheryl McVeigh was also um, appointed. Is she on this pool? No. Marble. Jake Marble. Jake Marble. Was he, what was he appointed to earlier? Animal. Animal Services Advisory Committee. Thank you. So we'll delete Jake Marble. Uh, are there any other suggestions? I think that's comprehensive to where we are. So there is... Um, as far as appointments to this body, 
There's three vacancies for four-year terms expiring 2017 and one vacancy to complete a four-year term that will expire June 30th, 2015. So with that, uh, we'll ask you to vote for four. Okay, Vice Mayor Albertson has voted for David Alden, Kevin McDonnell, Houston Porter, and Beverly Shore. Thank you. Councilmember Harris has voted for David Alden, Marianne Camber, Roger Leventhal, and Kevin McDonnell. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for David Alden, Kevin McDonnell, Houston Porter, and Aaron Reitzman. Thank you. Councilmember Barrett has voted for David Alden, Roger Leventhal, Kevin McDonnell, and Beverly Shore. Thank you. Mayor Glass has voted for Roger Leventhal, Kevin McDonnell, Beverly Shore, and Aaron Reitzman. Thank you. Councilmember Healy has voted for David Alden, Roger Leventhal, Kevin McDonnell, and Beverly Shore. Thank you. And Councilmember Miller has voted for David Alden, Kevin McDonnell, Beverly Shore, and Aaron Reitzman. Thank you. So the uh, highest vote getter is Mr. McDonald with seven votes. Next highest is Mr. Alden with six votes. Um, the next highest is Ms. Shore with five votes. And the next highest is Mr. Leventhal with four votes. With uh, Ms. Uh, Ms. Kambur receiving one vote, 
um, Mr. Houston receiving two votes and Ms. Wrightson receiving three, Wrightson, I'm sorry, receiving three votes. Okay, so by vote then the um, three vacancies for the four-year terms going to June 30th, 2017 go to the three highest vote recipients, Dave Alden, Kevin McDonald, Beverly Shore, and the term that runs to June 30th, 2015 goes to Roger Leventhal. Thank you. We're on to the next item, which is the Transit Advisory Committee. So now we're going to do some updating here and delete some names of those that have been appointed. And I'm going to ask for help from the clerk here. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. Keep track. Sir. Uh, it, keeping score over here in my okay. little. Um, I, we won't have enough people then. Well, that's going to be one of the one of the problems okay. with it. But um, we're still going to. Uh, people applied with the idea that if they got appointed somewhere, they would be removed. So I don't feel comfortable leaving them. You know, after they said, well, uh, they didn't want to serve multiple. They wanted if they got their other appointments. So Chris Farkas has already been appointed, correct? Um, and Roger Leventhal has been appointed. And Tiffy Renee has removed her name. Daniel Powers. And Daniel Powers has been appointed elsewhere. And Cheryl McVeigh, has she been appointed? So that that leaves in this Irvin, Goff, and McKay. Those are the three that are remaining. Would that be correct? I think that's right. Yes. Okay. And we have four vacancies for a two-year term. So what I'll do is I'll nominate Irvin, Goff, and McKay for those two-year terms. Do I have a second? Second. By Barrett, all in favor say aye. 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 And with that, we've completed that one. And for now, we'll have one vacancy. Maybe somebody in the chambers will step up and say they want to be considered. I have no idea. I'm going to put that aside. It, Mr. Mayor, I believe there is someone. Just step forward and state your name. Oh, yeah. yeah. I may not follow the process completely, but I'd be willing to do on both. Um, so well. you sort of, I think I was deleted from transit. Um, oh, you applied for both, Roger? I did, I, I believe so, yes. Okay, so you're willing to serve on both, and if Absolutely. we don't get a uh, problem, then we'll leave his name there. And we're going to have Dave Alden on both by vote of what just transpired. So with that, I'll amend the vote and we'll appoint Mr. Appoint Mr. Leventhal and we'll have a full body on that. And if it turns out to be a problem, we'll adjust with it later. Okay? Because he applied for both. So with that, all in favor say aye. 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 Any objection? Okay. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. This is a lot to uh, keep track of. <laughs> okay. That's a good, it's a good problem. Very good problem. Uh, and all of those terms are for the same length of time on transit. So that's that for that one. Now we're on to the Tree Advisory Committee. And these are four vacancies for two-year terms. And the candidates are Tom Joint, uh, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, Houston Porter, and Rod Scalasi. Scott, say it for me. Thanks. Thank you. Um, with that, we'll ask the council to vote for four. There's two-year terms uh, that expire June 30th, 2015. 
Councilmember Miller has voted for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, and Rod Scacalosi. Thank you. Vice Mayor Albertson has voted for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, and Rod Scacalosi. Thank you. Councilmember Harris has voted for Tom Joint, Tamara Norman, Houston Porter, and Rod Scacalosi. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, and Houston Porter. Thank you. Councilmember Barrett has voted for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Houston Porter, and Rod Scacalosi. Thank you. I, I marked the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> What did you want to Just amend to? yours verbally. That'll okay, be fine. I'm amending mine to Tamara Norman. Instead instead of? Port, uh, Porter, Houston okay. Porter. I'm, I didn't see that. I'm sorry. Okay. So yeah. let me read that again. Yes. Council Member Barrett is voting for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, and Rod Scacalosi. Got it. Yeah. Thanks. Mm -hmm. Mayor Glass is voted for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, and Rod Scacalosi. Thanks. And Councilmember Healy has voted for Tom Joint, Baxter Martin, Tamara Norman, and Rod Scacalosi. Thank you. So uh, the highest vote getters are Mr. Joint and Ms. Norman with seven votes each, and the next two highest are um, Mr. Martin and Mr. Scacalozzi with six votes each, with two votes um, for Mr. Porter. Thank you. And all of the terms are the same, so we're done with that. We're on to the next item is the Public Art Committee. There are three Thank vacancies, uh, two vacancies for a four-year term expiring June 30th, 2017, one vacancy for a four-year term that is the rep from the Petaluma Arts Council, and this is similar to the Airport Commission. The Petaluma Arts Council representative nominee is Allison Marks. And so what you're asked for is to vote for one in that category, and there's one recommendation, and to vote for uh, two vacancies from the remaining candidates. And I'm looking down through, I believe all the remaining candidates stay in the pool on this one. Uh, does the clerk have it that way also? I think so. Oh. I think so too. So we'll vote, figure it, um, fill it out that way. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. So, <laughs> this has been an interesting night. 
Vice Mayor Albertson is voting for Carolyn Hall, Annie Booker Knight, Heather Mackin, and Allison Marks. Thank you. Wait, that's too many. Okay, then take take away. Okay, I'm sorry. We're voting for three, aren't we? Sorry. Carolyn Hall, Annie Booker Knight, and Allison Marks. Okay, thanks. Got it. Mm -hmm. Councilmember Harris has voted for Heather Mackin, Allison Marks, and Aaron Reitzman. Thank you. Councilmember Kearney has voted for Annie Booker Knight, Heather Mackin, and Allison Marks. Thank you. Councilmember Barrett has voted for Carolyn Hall, Annie Booker Knight, and Allison Marks. Thank you. Mayor Glass has voted for Carolyn Hall, Annie Booker Knight, and Allison Marks. Thank you. Councilmember Healy has voted for Annie Booker Knight, Allison Marks, and Houston Porter. Thank you. And Councilmember Miller has voted for Annie Booker Knight, Heather Mackin, and Allison Marks. Thank you. So the uh, two highest vote getters are um, Annie Booker Knight and um, Allison Marks. The next highest is Heather Mackin, and uh, um, so those are the top three. And uh, Carolyn Hall received three votes, and Houston Porter and Aaron Reitzman each received one. Okay, so uh, the three appointments are Marks, Mackin, and Knight, with Marks being the representative uh, for the Petaluma Arts Council representative nominee. Um, you know, I thought Mackin got three and Hall got three. Um, I apologize if I got that wrong. Madam Clerk, would you mind Let's double checking? Do you want me to go through me? them all? Or? Well, it, well, it, well, let me just verify. Did Knight and Mackin get four or more? That's really the, the question. No. Knight and Mackin, yes, both got four or more. And nobody else got... Knight and Marks each got more than four. Knight, Mackin, and Marks all got more than four. Not Mackin. Not Mackin? According to my tally, uh, Knight and uh, Marks both received six votes and Mackin four. I, I have it differently. Okay, could we get Double the readoff on Mackin, please? Uh, just one more time. Just, just Mackin. Just read off who voted for Mackin. Okay, a council member Harris, council member Kearney, Yes. Councilmember Miller. Yes. And that that's it. I had Healy also. Could you repeat Healy's vote, please? Porter. Healy voted for Annie Booker Knight, Allison Marks, and Houston Porter. Okay. Wait, so I'm sorry. He he voted for Knight. Oh, I got, I I'm sorry. I marked Marks instead of Mackin. My, I apologize. Okay. So. so that's all right. So who has three votes? That's what I'm trying to find. So out. the person who received three votes is Heather Mackin. Um, and Marks received seven. Okay, but who else received three? Did Carolyn so, Hall? Uh, right. So there's a tie for three votes between Carolyn Hall and Heather Mackin. So what I would suggest is we'd have, you know, we can pass out the ballots or we can just vote by the lights, Hall or Mackin. Whichever the council prefers. Um, I'd prefer doing it by the lights. It works so well. Yeah, yes is Hall, no is Mackin. Everybody got that? We'll break the tie. Yes is Hall, no is Mackin. 
Paul has it four to three. Do we need to read off who did what? Or does that do it? I think that does it. So Thank there you. are four votes for Ms. Hall and three for Ms. Mackin on the second vote. Yes. Okay. So the appointees then are Marks, um, Hall, and Knight, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, with that, now we're on to the Youth Commission. And Chris Farkas has already been appointed to the Tech Committee. And so I'm going to strike his name from that one because I don't believe he wanted multiple assignments. That leaves uh, three vacancies for two-year terms. And there are two candidates, so I'm going to ask for unanimous consent for Heather Mackin and Houston Porter uh, for the Youth Commission. So moved. Second. All in favor say aye. 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 Okay, there. We're done with that. And we're on to... Let's see, there's still the kids on the Youth Commission. So. Mr. Mayor? Yes. There's also the Senior Advisory Committee, and there is the nominees by uh, the museum and the Heritage Home. Right, and we're working our way down to that. Let's see. So. If you want, if you want a, um, uh, a motion to support all the applicants, for the Youth Commission, except for Mr. Drake Peretti, I would make that um, motion because his name was asked to be withdrawn. Right, and I'll second that because, uh, you know, I'm just looking for my paperwork here to... Hey, Mr. Mayor, yes. I may, I do have a question before we vote. Yes. Um, and it's probably to the city clerk because I know there was a, a timing element on the Youth Commission application when it went to the Youth Commission, and uh, there were some applications that came in after the cutoff, and if all of these are appointed, all these individuals are appointed, how many remaining spots will there be? So maybe we can reach out to the others that uh, came in after, and maybe a, uh, another council action in the coming weeks appoint them as well. Okay. Well, uh, there's, there's nine on this list now after we right. strike Peretti. They have three that are returning, so they'll have 12, and so they'd still have two spots. Two spots. And uh, if this works, because school is out, and, and what happened here was a lot of good intention, because um, I've talked to some of the folks about the process that happened here. Kids at school were telling kids to apply. Other kids were telling them the deadline had been closed, and the deadline had been closed a couple of times over. So it wouldn't be correct to totally fill it out, and this won't. Um, but some kids went ahead and applied late, and other kids did not apply at all because they had been told not to apply. So that's the scenario that you're getting at. And we, we have room to do this, and we have room still for people to apply. Uh, tentatively, I think, and the clerk and I talked about this today, I think September 9th is probably a good meeting to bring this back. It's our first opportunity, really, after school is back in. So would that fit your purposes for at the Youth Commission? We have an orientation in August for the new members that are going to be appointed. Um, How do you get the word out during the summer? Is that effective? Probably not, because they, they did word of mouth out on the campus to get the kids to apply. So I'm thinking maybe September 9th and... And they, you know, miss, the, they miss a meeting. Yeah. That's all that would really happen. 
So if we could put the word out for kids to apply and keep the applications open and bring it back as soon as school is out so as many as possible get a chance to apply. And uh, in the past we've even considered elongating and expanding the, the commission when good kids apply. So with that, the names that are here, uh, are we comfortable with putting each of them? Uh, there's a motion and a second onto the uh, body itself. With that, if there's no objections, that's done. We'll just do it as presented here. So that's passed unanimously. The senior committee, uh, let's get to that one. And that has fewer applicants than um, openings. I know that Roy, uh, Ray Johnson applied, and I'm trying to remember now where else we were. There's five openings. Five and five. What page is it? Oh, God. 14. Thanks. 14. Mr. Mayor, I'll make the motion to approve the people that have applied. Thank you. Would you read their names, please? If you have it there. All five? That's what, I'll Judy second. Hillary, Ray Johnson, Marianne Camber, Susan Kramer, Marianne, Mary, Maria Peterson? Yes, exactly. Second. Uh, perfect. That's five people and we have five openings, correct? I want to verify that with the clerk. That's correct. Okay, so with that, uh, by unanimous consent, all in favor say aye. 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 Okay, that's the appointments for that. We're getting down to, we still have the historic spark situation to deal with. What else is left on the table? I'm sitting here looking through this. Mr. Mayor? Mr. Mayor? Yes, Councilmember um, Barrett. We have historic spark and heritage homes and uh, Heritage Homes in Petaluma Museum Association. And each of those groups nominates someone. I would be happy to support Kit Schlick, who is the appointee of the Petaluma Museum Association, but I'm not comfortable uh, supporting Terry Koswick for this position. And I know he has been a long-term uh, applicant, but I have spoken to Heritage Homes and asked them to reconsider their application because Mr. Koswick as a long has been uh, a planning commissioner and a spark representative for many many years and is a licensed contractor in our town and he was recently red tagged for um, illegally altering his building without proper uh, building permits and I just think that that uh, is not the message that we want to have uh, giving to our town about who we want sitting on the review of historic buildings uh, and preservation. So I am not prepared to support him, and I, but I am prepared to ask Heritage Homes to reconsider their submittal. Uh, with that, I'm going to separate the two. I make a motion for Kit Slitch for Petaluma Museum Association. I'll uh, second that. And with that, all in favor say aye. 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 No objections. That carries unanimously. Um, it's a concern if somebody sits on a body and uh, to make the rules and doesn't play by the rules, that, that's a concern. Um, so I'll leave it up to the council if they want to make a motion. Uh, Mr. Mayor, I'll, I'll move uh, approval for Mr. Kosowick. It is just a one-year term and that takes about how long it takes Heritage Homes to do anything anyway. So, um, Do we have a second? Motion. Second. All right, we'll vote by the lights on that one. A motion carries five to two for the one-year appointment for Terry Kosowick. Uh, 
as the Heritage Homes uh, recommended choice. Okay, so with that, I want to ask the clerk, we've been through this a lot, though, all day long, trying to figure out and make sure that we, we actually fulfill everything that's in front of us. I think we're done, are we? I think we did. I think we're done too, Mr. Mayor. Does anybody see anything on the table as far as appointments goes that they think needs to be done? Okay. To the applicants, this was the most incredible pool of qualified people that I have ever witnessed applying for these bodies. It, it was a tremendous pool of people. So, you know, Dean Martin used to say, keep the cards coming, keep the applications coming, because the city's going to be a whole lot better for it, that's for sure. So thank you to everybody that applied. Um, with that, we'll move on to... Um, the next item of business, which if I've got this agenda right now, it's item 4G is in good. Does that uh, reconcile with where you are, Mr. Brown? Yes. Yes, Mr. Mayor, that does. Would you like a staff report on that? Uh, let me just take a look and see what it is here. Uh, this is a uh, revisiting the uh, freeway-oriented signage oh. item. Yeah, uh, we're going to need a staff report on this. All right, well, I think I'll be the one providing you that report this evening. Uh, this item is in front of your council due to a request that was made by uh, Merlone Geyer, who are uh, developing the Deer Creek Village. Uh, you had actually considered this uh, about a year or so ago with respect to the Regency uh, project. At that time, uh, Regency was asking for relief from the prohibitions in our sign code that, that don't allow for freeway-oriented signage for uh, freeway uh, uh, commercial businesses next to a freeway. Uh, at that time, the council had asked the staff to put together a proposal that would allow that. Uh, that proposal was, was sent to the Planning Commission uh, and at the Planning Commission, uh, the Commission had a number of reservations regarding that proposal and recommended uh, unanimously of the members who were present that evening not to recommend to the City Council uh, the changes be made to the sign code. So uh, at, it came back to Council and there was not a vote taken on that one way or the other. Uh, so anyway, that sets the stage for the, the request this evening then for reconsideration. Uh, so Merlone Geyer made that request. Uh, this was added to the agenda uh, a month or so ago at the council's request. Uh, and what we have given you in the staff report then this evening is the work that came to you a year ago so that you could see uh, both what the Planning con Commission's concerns were uh, as well as the changes that had been proposed to the sign code to allow for, for the orient freeway oriented signs. Um, Basically, uh, we weren't given any specific direction as to what kind of changes you'd like to have made, and so that this evening you would be uh, asked to, A, decide whether you really want to go in that direction or not now that this is on the agenda, and then B, to provide us any direction that you may have. Uh, it would need to go back through the same process that it did the last time around uh, as a signed code amendment. That means it would go to the Planning Commission and then would come back to City Council for final approval. Uh, the Commission did have some concern, had a number of concerns about it. Uh, I think the primary one uh, that we've discussed in the staff report is, is that uh, while we were trying to provide them flexibility at site plan review, and this would be to review a master sign uh, application, 
they felt that it really wasn't the standards were not nailed down as tight as they, they could have been or should have been. Uh, and so we would recommend if you are going to move forward that we can create a tighter set of standards to, to assist the Planning Commission in its consideration. They also are interested in seeing uh, Caltrans have the opportunity to weigh in uh, on any such changes or, or applications that would be processed. They also suggested that we hold this over uh, until the full sign code update uh, was going to be completed. Uh, and then finally, they had some concerns about the actual processing, uh, the, the process of, of moving a master sign uh, application through both procedures and process. Uh, I think we can address the, the standards part of that uh, pretty easily uh, and are prepared to do so. Uh, staff has done a lot of thinking about this. Uh, we can also certainly include other agencies in the review process, that being Caltrans. Uh, we're also prepared if the, the council wants to give us direction to look at that master sign application proce process. Uh, although, given our financial constraints, we really aren't in a position right now to try to take this up as part of a, uh, an, an overall sign code, a set of sign code changes. So uh, to kind of wrap this, this report up, one of the things that happened the last time around was this was done as a cost recovery item. There were four uh, shopping centers who part participated in that process. Uh, at this point, we do have commitments from both Regency and Deer Creek that they would support a cost recovery uh, program on this uh, and would work with us to try to get the other two uh, shopping centers to participate as well uh, so that we would uh, generate a full cost recovery on this. The last time around, as you can see in the staff report, we ended up spending around $19,000. We would expect it to be probably half of that. Uh, maybe $10,000 at the most since so much of this work has already really been done uh, if the council is willing to stay predominantly with the proposal that went to Planning Commission a year ago. Okay, well, so there it is. The developer asked for it to be on an agenda and presto, there it is. Mayor? So where do we go? Mr. Healy. Thank you for that tee up. Um, no, I, 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 I support this. Um, would would staff be uh, in a position tonight to share any preliminary thoughts as to what tightening of guidelines, or do you want to save that for down the road? We haven't talked specific numbers, but um, I mean, primarily the planning commission wanted to see it as an entire package with the entire with the whole sign code. Um, but one of the things that was discussed a lot is there was no maximum size or materials or lighting so getting down to some of those specifics having more um, of a maximum size um, a specific maybe a kind of a mounting was also talked about whether they're perpendicular to or flush with the lighting the materials some of those details so we haven't gotten sp specific with any okay, of okay that, so that's that's, that's too be. that's to to be developed going forward I, I remember when um, Regency was bringing this forward um, a year ago they were they were really touting the backlit signs as being more tasteful and less garish and I guess that's something we can look at in this process I I also hope that y the the ordinance is, is written so that you know the businesses that kind of fall into this goofy exception to the uh, supposedly no no freeway oriented signage so that you know the outlet mall the outdoor dealerships as those businesses change over in the future they'll be subject to these these newer supposedly higher tighter standards so it'll be 
that kind of an upgrade. So I, I'm, I'm happy to see this move forward. Okay, I'm going to open it up to public comment, and then we'll continue to see where we go. Uh, Zen Destiny is the only public comment card I have in this. If anyone else from the public wants to speak to it, uh, this would be a good time. I think you'll need to put women on all those committees because I'm tired of looking at all these men. Um, you know, there's a tasteful way to do that, the signage, because uh, 160, there's, there's a 116 hub there. So you'll be capturing revenue like the way Rona Park was capturing our revenue before those buildings were there. So there's a tasteful way to do the signage. But here's what's happening with y'all design-wise. There's too many people involved in the process. If, you, if everybody voted on their favorite color, it would turn out to be mud if we averaged them all out. So what it's leading to is architectural homogenization. And I, I, looked, I looked at that center, and my, my overwhelming thought was that no one person designed it. You know, it's, it's, it's leading to architectural homogenization. And I'm sure there's a tasteful way we can do this and kick all the men off the committees. Thank you. Uh, anyone else from the public want to address this? Okay, so public comment is hereby closed. Anyone else from the uh, council want to weigh in? Mr. Mayor. Mr. Kearney. So uh, during the, my uh, wonderful stint on the Planning Commission, uh, we did address this issue. And my concerns that I raised were uh, I wanted to see us look at an overall um, sign master uh, policy for the city. Uh, the city manager has outlined why that's not an option uh, for us right now as far as finances are concerned. Um, and so uh, I'm more than happy to see this go forward. Um, but I just wanted to clear up, you know, what my stance was be before was I'd prefer to see it as a overall package, not just a specific uh, for the shopping centers. I'd love to see us have some consistency with our signage uh, throughout the city, uh, but that's not in the cards for us right now as far as economics are concerned. Councilmember Barrett? Um, yeah, I agree with uh, Mr. Kearney in that I would like to see this as uh, a citywide uh, look at signs, and for that reason I won't be supporting it because I do think of this as designer um, legislation it's there for just a certain group of people and in fact they're even going to pay for it wasn't that nice and um but i do think that this is part of the geography of nowhere which is something akin to what mr destiny was just saying about you know uh too many people it's you just everything starts looking the same you, you could be on 101 you could be on i-5 you could be on i-80 it doesn't really matter they're all the same signs looking out and uh, it, it, we're just ruining what is specific about Petaluma by even introducing the idea of freeway-oriented signs. So I will not be supporting this. Okay, well, the interesting thing for me about this is if it succeeds, it will create even more traffic in town. And so uh, I don't recall one robocall to the public during the last election dealing with putting signs or changing the signs ordinance. I do recall robocalls saying that there would be traffic relief. This is just one more step for half the promise to be delivered, and that's the traffic. So uh, it's interesting to me um, how fast developers uh, can change the rules. They say they want to know what the rules are. This is clearly an attempt to change the rules. But I'll, I'll look forward to seeing what does come back. Um, hopefully they can find a way to make it look better. I, I look at that mural over near Petaluma Market 
And I'm thinking that's what ought to be on the back of those buildings because when, for instance, the Regency project was approved, those trees were going to be there to mask the uh, enormity of the buildings. Now, I supported that project. That's the truth. I voted for that project every single time. Even voted to settle the lawsuits so the project could actually be built. So newspapers, editorials, cartoonists, they're all wrong. They know they're wrong, but they'll keep writing what they write because that's what they do. You know, so, uh, but the truth is the truth, and at least I know what it is, and I'm not afraid to say it. But um, I don't recall anybody running on a campaign to bring more traffic to Petaluma. But uh, I bet this sign program is going to be successful because developers are willing to pay for it. And I bet that it passes. And I bet that there'll be more traffic. And I bet that the traffic doesn't get relieved. But anyway, that's it. Those are my comments. Be glad to see it come back. What's next? Um, does staff want a, a straw vote? Or do you have direction? I think for the sake of the record, it would be better to have the council weigh in on the direction. I mean, I, I've heard from different members of the council that it would be nice to know, you know, from the standpoint of a vote that, yes, we want you to take this task up, and yes, we want you to tighten it up in the ways that you've talked about. I'll start. No. Okay. No. Here? Yeah. I'm in the same position I was last year. Um, I'm a yes. 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 Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So that's it for 4G. We're on to a letter. <laughs> Item 4I. Mr. Hagen has put a letter on the dais. It's a rather simple thing. Uh, it needs to be signed, as I understand it, from the attorney at a public meeting. Those that wish to sign it can feel free to sign it. Those that do not want to sign it uh, may opt out of signing it. But do we have the letter here to sign for those that would like to sign it? Yes, we do, Mr. Mayor. And Mr. Hagen is here to answer any questions if people want to ask any questions. If not, I would suggest we just pass the letter down and whoever wants to put their name on it, do so. And does that work, Mr. Danley? And we have public comment on this item. Uh, did you want to speak to this item for I, Mr. Destiny? If you do, step forward and do it. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to exclude you. You know, David, I just pick on you, bro, because it's <laughs> so easy. Yes, I am. <laughs> Very okay. I target. like you, man. I like you. I'm sorry I pick on you, actually. Thank um, you. Okay. Um, this is for the, nas uh, the, na uh, the National Revenue Neutral Tax. A revenue neutral tax. Wow. I didn't know such a thing existed. A revenue neutral tax. That must have been, uh, you know, expelled by the bloated beast of big government. A revenue neutral tax. That's one of the biggest lies in the world. That's like it has to get worse before it gets better. That's another big lie. So uh, this is all the, the, the high priesthood of science lost its cherry on this one because um, carbon dioxide is a benign essential gas. So what do we have here? We got the Julia Foundation in Chicago coming out. We got, why would the government support uh, atmospheric rent seekers? Can we differentiate between carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide? How many thousands of scientists have signed on? How many, how many scientists need to be resigned? We're still forward in the same old 
misused jargon that has been uh, unbelievable. This is how this is how things get lies get institutionalized and kicked down the road, and the next thing you know, everybody's going greenhouse gas. Green the greenhouse gas is a good effect. The trees breathe the carbon dioxide. All you got to say in California is the oil companies. Everybody's willing to sign anything you hand at them in front of the uh, shopping center. This is a, a energy tax. California, AB 32 is going to be catastrophic for California. You're not going to be able to provide the basic levels of services. You're not going to be able to provide the basic levels. Of, this is an energy tax. An energy tax is a tax on all ha taxes. I heard the comment that it hasn't been done. That's bogus. It has been done. I gave you the papers. I gave you the reports from, from uh, Germany and from Italy and from Spain. I stopped handing you reports because I was abusing the clerk of court. You've had all the informations on, they, they've already subsidized renewables. Ethanol is bogus. You can't, this is carbon sifting from the surface. You can't, you know what? Light is energy and everything is made of light. Okay? Y'all yeah, might as well be spokesmen for the freaking oil company. Excuse my language. Uh, this is man meth methodology, manufactured results. There's no, the, there is no global temperature. What's the global temperature? Where do you get it? How do you determine its mean? Man, oh, y'all got roboted down this route. This is a renewables bubble. This is a green shoots pork movement. All you got to do is say Exxon. Why don't you run Exxon off federal and state land? Uh, heavier hydrocarbons, uh, fossil fuels is a misnomer. Petroleum is abiotic. The, the pr heat and pressure regime from deep down earth primordially pushes it up. We need to leave it alone between the plates. Petroleum it, is a good thing. It has helped us. Now, it's oil companies who are now the government, I don't know. This is a bogus scam. Thank you. Is there anyone else from the public that wishes to speak to this issue? Step up and say what you're going to say, Mr. Hagan. But you can't say it from the back of the room. You've got to say it into the microphone. Where is the letter, may I ask? Okay. Well, I wasn't planning on speaking tonight until I read the paper this morning, and especially since I heard the last comments. Just a couple of things, and I think you probably all get this, but for the benefit of the public, uh, the revenue neutral just means if the government takes in a million dollars, then a million dollars is rebated back to households individually. They don't keep the money. They don't pick favorites. They don't uh, give them to uh, one company or another, and what happens is that if any Anybody's going to come out ahead in this, whether it's the company that I work for or any other company, it's going to be because they win in the marketplace. They have products that win the support of customers and investors. So uh, I think that might not have been clear from the newspaper article this morning. The other thing regarding wealth distribution, uh, the, it's the, this measure is deliberately simple, not like the tax code. Uh, it's basically a flat rebate. Every household gets the same amount, and some people are going to uh, get more than they put out. Others are going to get less. The people who get more will be able to take that money and invest it in green energy, either uh, something they buy for their house or as an investor, or not. No one's going to tell them how they spend that, and the people who get less are going 
going to uh, have some time to figure out how they're going to make the adjustment. In either of these cases, there's going to be pressure in the marketplace, in the free market, to drive down the cost of the alternatives to the fossil fuels that are basically redistributing the wealth to present generations and away from future generations. That is by far the most massive wealth redistribution that's going on, and the purpose of the legislation is to make that visible to every consumer whenever they spend money on something. So thank you very much for your support, and I appreciate all the thoughtful comments I got from most all of you during this process. Thank you. I'm going to ask the attorney, is there any need to disclose the signatories to that letter, or can we just give it back to Mr. Hagan and move on with the business? Uh, it'll be a public document, so they'll be disclosed that way. If you want to report it tonight, you can. Okay, well, we'll, re we'll report it tonight just for clarity, then, because the newspapers here are writing it down, don't want to, you know. Did everybody sign it that wants to sign it before I read who did sign it? Mr. Healy. Yeah, I didn't sign it, and I wanted to explain why. Um, I think we have to be extremely careful when we dabble in issues that are not strictly within our purview, and we need to do our homework, and um, yeah, and we need to be very careful and um, and not do something that's uh, not um, thoroughly thought through. Um, I, I do think that the concept of a carbon neutral, um, a revenue neutral carbon tax is something that, that has merit. I am concerned about the details of this one. Um, and I don't know if anyone else here has, has tried to figure out the math of the thing, but uh, an initial tax of $15 per ton of CO2 um, works out to 15 cents a gallon. Uh, at the pump, and that ratchets up 10 cents a year every year. So you're talking about 15 cents a gallon tomorrow, and, and 25 cents a, a gallon a year after that, and 35 cents a gallon a year after that. You know that wasn't presented. I don't know if anyone had figured that out, um, but that's that's a pretty serious uh, conversation to have. It would be if it's all of an expenditure, but some of that money is going to make a U-turn and come back. Uh, some of it would, but for our city budget, it wouldn't, um, because we're not individual. Ta the city is not an individual taxpayer. So you know you're you're looking at some pretty serious trade-off issues here that weren't really explored. That's okay, all. thank you, um, Councilmember Miller. That would be the, the I I echo Councilmember Healy's concerns, and that's the reason that I didn't set, sign the letter. As well. Okay, anybody else want to say anything, or anybody want to delete their name for the letter, Mr. Albertson? I did sign the letter, and I I said I corresponded with Mr. Hagan. I don't know if this the whole premise is Pollyanna. I really don't, but he's making the effort to go back. I, I do believe that global warming is a real issue. I believe it's an issue for Petaluma. Uh, we're in a tidal slough. Uh, it's not anything that's going to happen to us tomorrow or the next day, but looking down the road, I think we need to be aware of the potential. So he's taking an effort to go back and, and lobby in the national uh, uh, government and it'll be interesting to see what type of response he gets there so I'll lend my name to making that go forward and we'll see what happens thank you I hundred percent endorse what the vice mayor just said period I, I, that's what I was gonna say at the end uh, only not as eloquently all right so anybody else all right so the signers of this were everybody but uh, Harris uh, not Harris I'm sorry mr. Harris everybody but mr. Healy and miss Miller and let the record show they're both lawyers so maybe they know what they're doing okay all right so now we're going to pass this back to the clerk and just an attempt at a little humor for crying out loud it's getting light okay all right so with that we're on to is this the last item seriously yes. item 5a I can't believe we're finally arrived um, 
This is the resolution proposed to adopt a mitigated negative declaration of environmental impact and statement of overriding considerations for the Petaluma Smart Rail Station Area's transit-oriented development master plan and amended smart code. This item requires the uh, recusal of both Council Members Healy and Barrett. Council Member Barrett has recently made a purchase of real estate in the area. She can explain um, the exact location if she cares to. But before she leaves, I want to recognize that for several years this has been going on and uh, our staff has done a wonderful job with Scott Diven and the architect that led this up from Opticos, Daniel Pearl, I'm going to mispronounce her na his name, Perlasek. Uh, did an outstanding job with this and it, we just you know usually somebody recuses themselves and they never participated well in this case we got somebody that just recently made a real estate investment and now has to recuse herself and works so well and long and hard and efficiently and the city is indebted to you Councilmember Barrett for your leadership on this and thank you very much and I'm sure that that is unanimous on this city council thank you so with that, they're both going to be going off. Uh, Mr. Healy. Uh, yeah, as I understood the process, I, I'm supposed to announce my own recusal. And yes, sir. I will because I, I own property. My, my house is within 500 feet of the boundaries of this district. Thank you. Thank you. Did you want to announce your own recusal? And uh, I just purchased property within 500 feet of this area as well. Thank you so much. So with that, uh, we're on to the staff report. Mr. Diven. Good evening, <coughs> Mayor and Council Members. Uh, this item, as, as noted earlier, um, is a continuation of the May 6, 2013 hearing, and the requested actions uh, remain the same. The overall stationary master plan and the amended smart code were presented at that meeting by Dan Parolik, and I'm not going to attempt to, to repeat that this evening in the interest of time, uh, as well as the fact that I don't think I do as good a job as, as Dan had done previously. The staff report that's before you provides brief summaries, clarifications, and proposed changes based on a few issues that were raised and feedback that we received at the May 6, 2013 City Council hearing. Those issues include allowing gas stations subject to a conditional use permit within the T5 district, um, issues regarding industrial uses in the T5 district, uh, concerns expressed by SMART regarding their statutory zoning immunity for transit facilities, as well as concerns of theirs regarding the required street improvements on the SMART property, implementation of the industrial notification requirement, and flexibility implying the urban standards with respect to Basin Street, Pro Basin Street Properties Riverfront Project. I'm happy to summarize those issues for you this evening or given the late hour, simply answer any questions you have or we can walk through them individually. Whatever the first thing I need to do is I need to open it up to public comment and we'll see because that may trigger some questions too. So is there anyone from the public that wishes to address the council on item 5A? Yeah, I think naming this train smart, uh, it, it, this train has self-esteem because it doesn't lead to another train. So us calling it smart, oh, it's so smart, it leads to another train. It, we're trying to give this train self-esteem by calling it smart. But what we need to do is get mass transportation to the North Bay. we got to get the train over the Golden Gate Bridge. How do we do that? We jack a car lane for the train. Thank you. Is there anybody else that wishes to speak to the council on item 5A? 
Mayor Glass, Mayor Glass, members of the council, thanks for uh, indulging me here for a few minutes. Clayton Engstrom uh, with the North Bay Realtors Association. Uh, in, the, in this code update, there were some of the things that were uh, parallel to the uh, Central City specific plan, which was kind of a holdover. We are we're very pleased to work with Scott on this and make a few changes, which are certainly much more acceptable to uh, certainly all of our members with regards to how we notice uh, that the property is next to uh, uh, maybe a non-compatible use or an existing use. So um, I just want to say we've been here a long time and I uh, just want to make it short uh, we appreciate working with staff and getting those changes taken care of thank you okay thank you very much uh, if there's nothing else is there any uh, questions from the council here at this time otherwise you know this thing has been beaten around for two and a half years so uh, is it perfect probably not but it's probably as perfect as we can get it uh, and so I'm going to support it um, as it is with a staff recommendation with a thanks to the committee's uh, volunteers that provided all of the uh, community input and everything else so mr. mayor mr. Danley thanks I, I don't want to interrupt council comments if there are any at this time but I, I wanted to uh, discuss a little bit um, the staff uh, um, what it calls the hybrid approach on page five um, and if that's if the council wishes to implement that I would propose different wording for that which I've discussed with staff and with um, representatives of Basin Street okay could you give us a different wording sure um, it's a little lengthy um, where does it start it would uh, what what I what I would recommend this is this would be with respect to um, attachment three which is the ordinance um, and staff had suggested a new section seven and instead I would suggest a rewrite of section two which is the adoption provision in attachment three yes please tell me what page you're on because attachment uh, three is on 13 13 okay um, and this would be on page 15 which is where section two is okay I got you does everybody have that everybody there and um, yeah you're okay all right did we do we have extra copies in mr. okay it's um, just been passed out so we don't thank uh, you so you can um, if you prefer you can just look at that or I can read it um, in um, what it does is it's sort of like um, from a mechanical standpoint it's sort of the the obverse of the approach in, in the draft on page five um, but to achieve the same result it would um, delay um, 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 the development standards in section four of the amended smart code becoming applicable to projects such as the riverfront project that are subject to the map act and are complete under the map act as of the effective date of the amended smart code um, uh, and it would do so it would, it would delay um, the development standards from becoming applicable to such projects um, until the earlier of six years after the effective date of the amended smart code or until all buildings of the project have obtained their at least those that require certificates of occupancy have obtained the certificates um, and with respect to all other projects that don't meet those requirements um, 
once the um, assuming the council approves it, once the amended smart code takes effect, it would, it would apply to all other projects. I should note um, that is that is of importance to the applicant to the to the to the riverfront applicant that um, this um, delayed applicability that's that that the council can approve if it chooses um, apply to all the entitlements of uh, for the project so not just the approved map um, assuming it's approved but also to um, design review um, with respect to that same application so that's um, that's if, if assuming the council if the council wants to to approve that um, suggested um, provision that's how I would re recommend the council go about it and I'd be happy to answer any questions okay before Thanks. I do that I'm going to open it up to the public comment after if there are any questions I'm gonna open up again because this is something new that's here and maybe the public did not get a chance to see that and comment on it uh, maybe they want to maybe they don't but I'm not going to preclude the opportunity okay so are there any questions on this at this time are we are we good to go or are you yeah, getting a microphone was, that was laid out very well by the, okay. the city attorney and everybody's ready good go uh, thank you very much with that is there any public comment that wants to comment to this uh, item that's been presented in front of us I can read it if people want to hear it read but I think they probably know what the written material is are we okay okay so there's no public comment okay with that I'll move the item uh, as presented by staff with the um, uh, section 2 language added in as suggested by mr. Danley um, when we get to attachment 3 in fact we can do this all together if people are not going to separate their votes so uh, having no reason to think people are going to separate their votes what uh, I'm going to do is move the resolution adopting a mitigated negative declaration of environmental impact and state of overriding consideration for the Petaluma Smart Rail Station Areas Transit Oriented Development Master Plan and Amended Smart Code and the resolution adopting the Petaluma Smart Rail Station TOD Master Plan uh, with the uh, addition to Section 2 that Mr. Danley just suggested and the ordinance um, of the City Council of the City of Petaluma adopting amended smart code and repealing ordinance number 2152 NCS. Mr. Mayor? Yes. The um, the section two, I believe, is part of the ordinance, not part of the resolution. Thank you. That's so right. With that right. modification, right. I would you. second your motion. Thank you. Perfect. So we've got the motion. We've got a second. Is there any other discussion? We're almost ready to leave. We'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously with uh, council members Barrett and Healy uh, recusing themselves and will adjourn tonight's memory uh, meeting in memory of Jim McLoin, uh, the former principal of Casa Grande High School. And with that, uh, all in favor of adjourning? Aye. Aye. We're adjourned. Thank you.